The garden help you need. Now, Mid-South Gardening, powered by Palladio Home and Garden, with your hosts, Veda Vance, Kenneth Mabry, and Jim Crowder. Good morning and welcome to Mid-South Gardening. Glad you're up with us and getting ready to garden. That's it. Wear a coat. Wear a coat, But it's yeah. supposed to be a nice day today, though. It's going to be great. Houseplants go back outside. Yeah. Yeah. I was lucky you didn't have to bring any houseplants in. Hey, the last two mornings, mm-hmm. I had to get the old credit card out and scrape the windshield. Oh. Uh-huh. Yeah. With that's, the credit card. Well, or Kroger card, whatever Because that's probably all you could use it for now, right? Yeah. <laughs> I'm like, what is this thin layer of frost doing on this windshield? Are we there yet? At this time. Yeah. This seems like it should be the week of Thanksgiving weather. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, you know, I was like, Chilly we're getting this a little early, but not really. Because didn't it frost like on our first expected frost date? Yeah, it's pretty close. Yeah. 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 Between October 31st and November 15th is when we get it. Yeah. So just it's, pretty much right in the middle there. Oh, yeah. So I guess we can believe the weather this year. But you know how it is. <laughs> I mean, you, you you dress like, you know, you're freezing to death in the mornings. Mm-hmm. And then by midday, you know, you're in shorts and a t-shirt. Right. And then you, it's just... That's the Mid-South, isn't it? Is it not? Yeah, I always remember, oh, here comes September. September is the month that I remember distinctly that you would be bundled up and then in your shorts by noon. Yeah. So that's the Mid-South. That's why our plants freak out sometimes. They don't have a clue. No, no, they don't. They're they're freezing and then the next next couple hours, I feel like they're in Florida. And I really Mm -hmm. still hadn't seen, I mean, some pockets are really you know, pretty fall color. Right. Um, I was driving home last yesterday afternoon, and I noticed this pear tree. You know, mm-hmm. I, don't, I don't know why there's still a pear tree in the city, but there was yeah, one there, right? right? Mm-hmm. And the top of it was just blood red. Mm-hmm. And the whole half of the bottom was it was still just as green yeah. as everything. And I'm yeah. like, all right, man, come on. we got to get this fall color going before it's all said and well, done. Well, with pears, though, you know, they had a whole bunch of them in Bartlett. It was their city tree at one time. Until, until they all split in half. And, <laughs> yeah. An interesting story to tell you about that, too, in a minute. But anyway, you know, the the side that's exposed to sun is always red, and the side mm-hmm. that doesn't get sun is always green. Well, maybe that's why the top part of this was yeah. red, yeah, Jim, and the bottom part was green. You, is, you I mean, never it pretty see cool. it totally in color. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Right. Well, I, we have uh, maples in buckets or in containers, like four of them. Prettiest two, tree out there. They are. They, I'm loving. Two of them have the fall color and the other two are green. No, no, go figure, right? I know. They're not situated in the same location throughout the garden center. So I guess it's a microclimate little thing going on. But yeah, two are nice in fall color and the other two are just as green as can be. But I still think we're being set up for a pretty decent yeah. fall color though. And right. whether it's, you know, the dogwoods, the great myrtles, the maples that you're talking about, the black gums, on down mm-hmm. the line. Uh, because I'm just now starting to see hints of that. But at the same time, on some of these, I've, you know, a lot of the leaves have already fallen off, believe it or not. Yeah, that's true. I mean, so I'm like, Which, you know, uh, this is a weird kind of, you know, fall color really season is. so far, you know. Do you think the rain that we had previous to the fall colors helped the fall color? I think Or it, the things already happened? The whole situation of making fall colors Well, normally happened. warm, dry falls enhance your color. Mm, yeah, you know? that's what I was wondering. Yeah, as long as it's not crispy dry. Yeah, um, so well, I, I think we're, right now we're set up for good fall color as it progresses. 
because um, we've had a lot of warm days, cool nights, which is what locks the sugars in. So uh, I think it's the potential is there. It's just whether or not we get an Arctic blast in here to, you know, yeah. lock the leaves on the maples like it's done so many times. And, and that could easily happen, yeah. you know. So, so you know. I, I hope we get that Arctic blast. Again. No, we like, don't. I mean, yeah. I was talking to a lady <laughs> yesterday, and mm-hmm. she had quite a few ornamental grasses in her landscape, which I love. Mm-hmm. I mean, I Same. love ornamental yeah. grasses. But every year, either, either I don't think she does it. She has somebody do it. They go in there and they cut these things down to about two inches off the ground. Mm-hmm. And she had some actually that died last year, you mm-hmm. know, that didn't come back. And a lot of times we can see where, you know, if you freeze the crown of an ornamental grass, that can harm it. Or if it stays too wet, yeah. you know, that can harm it. So, you know, don't you don't have to go in there and cut these things down at ground level. Mm-hmm. In fact, I would recommend that you don't cut these ornamental grasses not back at like ground we, level. At least not now. Yeah, yeah. right. Not till March or yeah. April. Yeah, because right now they just exposed it. Well, that's to me the whole point of an ornamental know, grass is something in during the winter time. <laughs> yeah. And see, it's just the opposite. They didn't yeah. like this, you know, this brown tissue, which I think is beautiful. Yeah, like spray paint purple mm-hmm. then or something, you know. <laughs> but they would have somebody come in there and cut these things way back this time of year mm-hmm. so it's just yeah. nothing there of yeah. course and then you know last year this past year you know a lot of them didn't come back right? yeah if, if you're going to do that i would i would immediately after cutting it cover it with a garbage bag and then just cover mm-hmm. it with mulch mm-hmm. so that it stays dark and cool up underneath there and um to keep the water out of those stem you know last week yeah. i i'm i'm got called on it too and made a statement that i think sometimes we blame hollow stems for more than it's really yeah, yeah. happened. Right. You about like know? lantana yes. or something yeah. like that? Yeah, yeah you know, I, so many people swear that if you cut your lantana mm-hmm. back, it won't come back. And I've always cut mine back, and it always comes mm-hmm. back fine. Yeah. Right. Except last year. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so, you know, it's, but the grasses are one of those things where I think it does pay to leave it on there until Agreed. we get past um, the really cold, bitter stuff, so right. that water doesn't get in those those hollow tubes. Oh, I, I yeah, completely and, agree. Yeah, and that's like like kind of a segue of what I was. Some of the things I was going to talk about, and one is the ornamental grasses are also the protection for wildlife, mm, protection no for things that are beneficial to our yard as well. So when we're cutting the grasses out, you're losing the protection for the wildlife. And, of course, some people probably say, oh, well, I don't want any wildlife like bunny rabbits, or but birds even. No, well, you know. Yeah, I had a beautiful ornamental grass beside the pond in our first house in Bartlett. And, you know, we had ducks laying eggs inside oh, there, yeah. you know. That's cool. Never knew they well, were in there unless you walked up on them. And, you know, wow. and I'm the one to talk. You know, I really don't have, a, uh, you know, nothing to stand on here. But, you know, because I like everything manicured mm-hmm. and, you know, sheared and shaped and, you know, basically almost unnatural, right? right. Yeah, he take, even here he takes his pen and points it north. You know, he's <laughs> very <laughs> OCD. But my p- point is, I, I mean, I still love the way ornamental grasses look through the fall and winter. I mean, that that never has ever bothered me. Oh, you so know? that's biz- that's kind of bizarre on the look that uh, yeah. you like, and you're still loving ornamental yeah, grasses. Yeah, and I don't mind yeah. cutting these things back in early March, the same time you're cutting your crepe myrtles back or whatever, which you shouldn't be doing anyway. Well, see, I feel the same way about roses. I think they're absolutely gorgeous in somebody else's yard yeah Mm, yeah (laughs) i got you (laughs) yeah you know and the thing with roses and that same thing i was talking to a sweet lady yesterday she loves her roses and she doesn't she's got like 10 or 12 albums not a huge rose bed but it's enough to keep her busy okay Mm. 
and she had some rose rosette in one or two of her roses. And she wanted to know uh, and if she could plant another rose in that same hole that she dug one out that had rose rosette two months ago. Okay? Mm-hmm. And I was like, well, the safest thing you can do is no, not plant in that same hole because they say, and Jim and Vady, y'all can tell me if I'm wrong, that if you dig up a rose that has rose rosette, a virus, of mm-hmm. course, and you don't get every piece of the root system out of the soil, right? right? So you put your new rose in, and your new rose root touches a part of that old diseased root that you left in the ground, you can get rose rosette that way. And they say, what I've read, mm-hmm. is don't plant a rose in the same hole, you know, that, that yeah. same hole for at least two years. And we haven't been doing that because i've just taken them but out but she but it was funny she gave yeah. me this look like i really wanted to plant uh, it right there exactly. in that spot and, and i'm still like, just might and i was like <laughs> i wouldn't do it you know i just wouldn't do well, it i'd say your chances are pretty good but the fact that she's already mm. had rose rosette tells you that somewhere around there there is some yes you know and in fact i i and in fact, I may have mentioned this before, but I, I was encouraging Rick over at Rick Pudwell over at the Botanic Garden to treat the rose garden as annuals. You know, plant mm-hmm. new ones every you single have year. Started, <laughs> well, you're just you know when you get f- much further north, and roses are annuals. You know, unless you really mm-hmm. pack these styrofoam yeah. cones right. over them and right. lay them down, them. bury them. Yeah, yeah. you know so. Uh, but if you just treat them like an annual, you know, the first year rose is just always spectacular. I agree. Mm-hmm. You know, you, you seldom have leaf spot on yeah. it. It's just gorgeous. So plant them every year. You plant some new varieties. Now, some of the old ones that are, ha- are the pass along, you leave those. Right. Okay. You know, you let those go. But And then, like, you'll have a rose or two that performs phenomenally. Right. You leave that one, too. Right. But you're kind of culling through trying to get the right roses. Right. You know, because everything you see about, oh, you know, this beautiful rose grows well. Well, you know, that was in a trial test garden in Oregon, yeah. you know. Yeah, I With know. somebody doing maintenance every day. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So. Well, but she, you know, rose rosette's a real thing, I'm telling you. Okay, which is so broom. rose rosette, com- a mite. It's, it's actually. Start, well, it's the virus, you know. And okay. when you cut a root off, obviously you've got the virus still in that root. Mm-hmm. And it can be absorbed with water that is oh, in yeah. that area when the roots grow in right. there. So yes, it it can happen. Yeah. You know, well, but it like starts with the mite and turn and the mite yes. makes it turn into a virus. Yes. Well the mite that carries is, the virus. Okay. Yes. Okay. So but you know, when we look at things like uh hosta virus X, mm-hmm. we seldom see it actually transmit back into that it could happen. Yeah, right. It could happen. It just doesn't happen very much. So I think it's worth the risk. You know, if you've got a nice rose garden, it Take a chance. Plant mm-hmm. one in the hole there so it looks good again. Right, yeah. <laughs> well, you know, you can add more compost. Just you know. bend, bump up and the uh, micro. And to sell them another one next year. Uh, no, that's, that's true. What I was Don't mind doing that. for somebody to say was, <laughs> do we really care if the ornamental grass freezes? Okay, we, Kenneth, ah, I got you. We got to go to a break. <laughs> so give us a call at 844-747-8868. <laughs> Good morning and welcome back to Mid-South Gardening. So if you're having trouble picking us up, if the frequency is not so good, you can go to kwamradio.com. Yep. Yeah, and stream us online that way. Yeah, because I know sometimes we're up and down. And remember, you can also go to the same place and get all of our podcasts, all of our previous shows. 
so that you can, you know, uh, we have some affiliates who aren't with us for the entire three hours. Mm-hmm. Uh, so you can go and listen to the other hour or just, you know, listen to all the past programs. Now is that radio, KWAM.com? It's, it's KWAMradio.com. KWAMradio.com. Yeah. And then, Wham. of course, you can go to Facebook Live and see Miss Veda right yeah. there. So you don't know. See me looking at y'all yeah. going, uh-huh, pointing my fingers. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, and then if you want to give us a call, uh, local number, 901-260-5926. Or 844-747-8868. And y'all do know that the Tigers are playing at 11 o'clock today, right? Do no, now. but I knew you would tell us. Yeah, yeah. of course. That's why I, I always wonder. It's a big game. And then I say to myself, well, let me just wait till oh, I get so into the show. Who, and who are they playing today? They're playing SMU, number 23 team in the nation. So, yeah. So, what do you think? Of course we're going to win. Well, yeah, we're going to win, of course, without our, you know, star top three quarterbacks that are out. So, yeah, we're all right. <laughs> wow. <laughs> we'll be that's fine. Like, that would be like your top three gardeners being out. It's just was, not going to work properly. <laughs> I was uh, look. I was on the computer last night, just doing some digging around and writing some stuff down, and I came across the picture of a chicken. Okay, <laughs> okay. and it you know, and it made me think. You know, I haven't really heard a lot of chicken talk in the last year for some reason. Chicken talk. Well, I didn't know chickens talk. No, but I mean, so many people. It was such a big thing for everyone to oh, have chickens yes. in their backyards right. for the yeah. last five or ten years, and. I think they still do, oh, to yeah. be honest with you. This past Monday, uh, a lady was good enough to contact me. She had a, a large orange tree. Yeah. Uh, and you see lemons available all the time, mm-hmm. but you said, don't see a whole lot of oranges. True. And she said, I, I just it's so big, now I need to find a home for it. And I said, well, you know, I'll take it. Oh. <laughs> yeah. So anyway, I went over there Monday, and she had a lot of chickens. Oh. Mm-hmm. Yeah, in fact, she used to have a lot more until one of the neighbors complained. Um so anyway, but, but it made me think, you know, because that was the big thing. Everybody yeah. wanted yeah. chickens, and and listen, they were making these gourmet chicken coops. I mean, mm-hmm. these things were better looking than the house I live in. Yeah, I'm have serious. you seen the one at the botanic garden? No. Oh man. Okay, well there you go. It's got stained glass windows in it. What? <laughs> what? I've been trying all my whole life to get stained glass windows, <laughs> and, <then> the, <laughs> and no, these are high, chicken has it. High it's glass beautiful. chickens. <laughs> but then, but I was reading about. Do what do people have to do to prepare chickens for winter? Nothing. Okay? Just keep them. not a thing, Beta. Uh, yeah. You know, no, you don't have to put a heater. You don't in have the... to do in- chickens even just take themselves to bed. Yeah, but they're like they can take temperatures you know down to ten below and they are fine. And I was like, mm-hmm. well, okay, I guess other birds do the same right. thing. You yeah. know, they fluff the little feathers up and. You know, they're warm as everything. Well, you ever noticed all of them up there on the power line? Yeah. <laughs> because they get their heat through their feet. Chickens are on the power line? Yeah. Uh-huh. Birds. <laughs> but, you know, what they're do- doing, that that wire is warm, and so mm. they'll sit up there and just pick up some heat and warm, warm their body up. That's pretty cool. But I was just thinking, you know, okay, because I hadn't heard a word mm-hmm. about chickens uh, in the last six or eight well, months. Well, it's funny that you say that because actually this week uh, I was trying to sell this, not trying, but I always offer some compost when they buy shrubs and all. Of course. And he says, I'm good. You would good. be doing your job if you didn't. This is true. And he said, I'm good. I have chickens. It's like, yeah, that chicken manure is fantastic. 
but you need some other stuff besides chicken manure. Yeah, I'm curious so. how many people actually eat the chickens once they're done laying eggs. Well, no. none, because yeah. <laughs> I'm telling you, everybody that I've talked to that has chickens, they all turn into pets, yeah. every mm-hmm. one of them, and they all have names. Mm-hmm. And as soon as you do that, yeah. you've lost the idea of having nice fried chicken later right, on. You're right. just not going to do it. Well, mm-hmm. I ha- are you t- also talking about including, like, the silkies? Oh. And the chickens. Yeah. Oh, I had a silky, a couple of them. Used to raise Buffy silkies. Loved them. Oh my gosh, they're there's just such little people. Really, mm-hmm. you see them thinking about this situation. Little hens make no noise whatsoever. They just go around their little house shoes. It's just so cute. <laughs> <laughs> so I thought that was shoes. I thought that was pretty funny though because when it first you know came to fruition that mm-hmm. people were buying chickens and putting them in their backyard. You know, my head was spinning. I'm like, hold on, we're we're here in Memphis, Tennessee, and they're raising chickens. And now Mm -hmm. everybody was doing it. But I just just don't hear it anymore. Yeah, they're still out there. I guess um, it's it's kind of not as – everybody's doing it now, so it's not a big thing anymore. Is everybody doing it well, now? Well, and, and let me know, say this, and I'll just, get off the chickens. It doesn't take a lot of space. Uh, this couple that comes into the garden center, I haven't seen them in a minute, but they used to they come in a lot. But they live way out uh, in, on the northern edge of Bartlett, or really in, in, in Raleigh, okay? Mm-hmm. And they've got this house with a lot of land around it. Well, he built, they've got a chicken coop, you know, that's like a palace. But they also mm-hmm. had, the, he built this big wired box that's on wheels okay yeah yeah so he'll you know herd his little chickens in Mm -hmm. there and he'll shut the little door and he'll pull this thing around to different places in the yard right and he said it's funny because there are a lot of hawks around there's why he does it Mm -hmm. you know he's got them in their own cage and he said it's funny every time that you know they'll reach down and you know get a little insect or seed or a piece of grass whatever and they're always looking back up Really? They know those uh, hawks are up there. It is, He said it is the funniest thing in the world. Oh, my goodness. Well, it's like uh, the, a lot of people do that in their sustainable gardening situation is they'll have the ca- a big cage so the chickens can um, eat all the insects in that little 10 by 10 area. And then they'll pull it And over. they fertilize it, too. They're fertilizing, too. And so they just keep moving this cage around. Or have you all seen them where there's the cage and then a tunnel? That they run through and goes to another cage. It's crazy. And there's, so that's what how people are doing some of their sustainable gardening. Well, it's good to hear that the chickens are still out there, that's though. Some work, and this is it? a gardening program, I promise. We'll yeah, we'll get back right. to gardening. We sound like vets. <laughs> we'll be right back. Great. Good morning. Welcome back to Mid-South Gardening. You can stream us online at kwamradio.com. Watch us on Facebook. Okwamradio.com has our podcast also. Yes, it does. If you want to give us a call, the local number, 901-260-5926. 901-260-5926. And, Miss Veda? Uh, 844-747-8868. Yep. And somebody's been reading Jim's notes. Yeah, I got a uh, text from Miss uh, Judy Wood this morning. It says, good morning, guys. Is there a cover crop that can be planted this time of year in a vegetable garden? Or is it too late? Great question. No, it's got plenty of time. In fact, we talked about this yesterday morning. Yeah, you were up here like you always do. Yep, on yep. Join, join Tim Van Horn on, on uh, 
Friday mornings, usually about 6.50 or so. Uh, and, and that was one of the things we talked about yesterday was cover crops. Uh, and, no, you got plenty of time, okay, to put something down. You know, lots of choices. But well, hold on. Um, why, why would I do it, though? I mean, well, if, I, if I had a vegetable garden in my, or vegetable plot mm-hmm. in my backyard, mm-hmm. of course, this summer veggies are gone. I have nothing but dirt there, maybe a few weeds coming up. Mm-hmm. And then I want to put something on the top of that gym. Yeah. Called. The whole point is you're putting some organic matter <laughs> back into the ground. Okay. Mm. Uh, it's going to, you want to pick something that's going to die off usually in the heat next year or that you can spray and kill. Uh, of course, use something that won't hurt your soil. Right. Um, but there are lots of choices. Uh, one of the most popular one is just plain old annual ryegrass. Yeah. Uh, it does a great mm. job. You can till it in if you want to or just chop it in or pull it up. I mean, you know. But the best thing to do is just take your lawnmower or weed eater and shear it off at the ground when you get ready to plant. And uh, and then just work it in, till it in. Just work it in, yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, and that's and, what they call their green manure. Yeah, when you're talking, you've got elevated beds particularly. Most of the people put in a very loose type of soil mix. Um, and unless it's got a lot of clay in it or got some clay in it, it's difficult <clears throat> to hold nutrients. So by putting some organic matter in there, you give not only something for the nutrients to bind to, but you also give food for the little microbes in there that are the most important thing in your soil. Yeah, so, but what is the food, though? I mean, is it the... It's the decomposing tissue. That you mm-hmm. till in right. at that next spring before right. you get ready to plant. Which helps support microbes, your your fungi, and your bacteria, and everything else that that's in the soil. Now you're reading my notes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So anyway, there are lots of choices. Annual ryegrass is real popular. Uh, my favorite is rapeseed. Uh, it's a great crop to put in, withstands the cold well. Uh, and you can, if you want to eat it, you can. Um but it's it's a good one. You can also use uh, radishes. You can use vetch, crown vetch, mm-hmm. clover, um, clover, white or mm-hmm. sweet clover or red clover, mm, uh, red clover. Yeah, yeah, lots of stuff you can put in there that will enhance your gardening. Uh, oh, you over could the next do, few years. You could do a design with your <laughs> oh, God. cover crop, so we can have some tall ryegrass to the back, and then we can drop down to the. Uh, what was clover? Uh, clover is your second layer. Mm-hmm. A designer uh, well, cover design, crop. Yeah, or you could do mm-hmm. a, um, a picture in that, like a big smiley face. Yeah. Yeah, you could use your radishes as ears, red ears. Now, what about <laughs> the idea that somebody says— I just says, oh, ruined it for you, Jim. <laughs> if, if, if they say, okay, I want to put a cover crop in my vegetable plot— uh, and just let it grow to hold the soil in place, to keep the soil loose. I mean, that's what the roots of whatever cover crop you put in there is going to do. Next year, like you said, just turn it under for your mm-hmm. green manure. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then they say, well, you know, hang on a minute. I really don't want to do that because I don't want to add Disturb something. Well, not only oh. that, I don't want to add something to my garden plot that could potentially reseed in there. Oh, yeah. So what's the pros and cons there? Well, n- <clears throat> none of those are likely to reseed. Mm-hmm. Right. You know, um, particularly with ryegrass, it has to get fairly tall before it starts setting seed heads. And and normally, if you plant it right now, it would not start setting seed if you let it go till sometime midsummer. Yeah, you know. Yeah, and then it's going to yeah. be dying out yeah. anyway. So yeah, so it's, uh, it's so that's not even it, an it, issue. It's really not an issue. Yeah, and, and most people now use a, some type of pre-emerge in their vegetable garden, mm-hmm. uh, like Treflan, mm-hmm. uh, to help keep some of the the weed seed from coming up. 
but even if you don't do that, you know, it's just a good idea to help improve your soil because, mm-hmm. you know, your soil breaks down through the years. You get smaller and smaller particles. So putting <clears> this in there helps separate that soil. And it's really just uh, there, there are no downsides from it, really. Hmm. Yeah, not at all. And and it's it looks easy. pretty. And it's cheap. And you can you be know? artistic with it as mm-hmm. well. Uh, so good <laughs> cover crop and it's surely not too late for any of those. No. Mm-hmm. Yeah. No, you know, they come up fairly readily. Uh, annual ryegrass in this kind of temperature, as long as it's not freezing, uh, it's probably going to be up in five days oh, max. Yeah. Oh, mm-hmm. yeah. You know, <clears throat> uh, but, you know, radishes, if you're doing those, they, you know, they'll make in 28 to 30 days. So, I mean, you can have radishes all winter right. long. Right. You've got your cover crop and your food <clears throat> at the same time, so you're right. never wasting time anyway. Of course, you know, my... I think maybe I've had two radishes in the last 20 years. I know, same, same. (laughs) Somebody's got to like those. Of course, what are those big turnips? Yeah, the They're rutabagas so and the turnips. Pretty, so pretty. So, you know, so you, Judy, that's yeah, no. It's absolutely not too late yeah, to put really right. any cover crop on your vegetable plots. Now, what about if you? And, and I love the idea of doing that, and I recommend mm-hmm. it all the time. But let's say, okay, I really don't want to put a cover crop down, but I still want to protect the integrity of my soil. Uh, I mean, do you know? It's not good to cover your soil with plastic. Mm-hmm. I guess straw. You know, yeah, not hay. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but straw. Mm-hmm. And then yeah, take it the, off in the uh, in the spring. Yeah. But even but with straw, you can still get You're some, get some seed, seed, seed in there, right? Yeah. yeah that's so. why, by default, I think the way to go really is the cover crop. That's really the only way. Yeah. yeah. Well, you know that, or if if you've got plenty of leaves grind them up and put them on mm-hmm. there i mean that's great that's and you put true. them on about you know two inches deep and you're not going to have many weeds seed that mm-hmm. can get to the ground right uh yeah. to to germinate so and then next spring just turn that under turn why that have under. i not yeah. ever thought about putting a layer of leaves ground up leaves garden? Yeah. yeah yeah the ground up leaves did. are just you don't have to grind them yeah. up but yeah. you know if they're like oak leaves that stay fairly dry mm-hmm. even when they get rained right. on they can blow away yeah. you know, okay and if you put something like maple leaves they're wet and they really they <laughs> yeah. only block the air out you right know? <laughs> <laughs> and then then that's not good either yeah. so really cover crops are just absolutely the best thing they, to do they really are good because if you put <clears throat> black plastic over then you have the uh opportunity to sterilize your soil and, and i don't then like you gotta idea start that. back over <clears throat> with adding all your microorganisms yeah gosh remember when people remember the vapam oh, that yeah. sterilized the soil oh, for yeah. what or nematodes how many years? Yeah. yeah great product yeah <laughs> well but then remember yeah. you know it was really a right way of thinking at that time but really a wrong way of doing mm-hmm. things is when people used to do the black plastic gardening yeah and, and don't it don't think it can't be done because it can but what you would remember what you would do before you put your plastic down you would always add a lot of compost to that area Mm -hmm. you would put the black plastic down and then you know you would add the lime the fertilizer of course and then you would cut your x's and plant your plants in there (laughs) but it was so hard to regulate moisture up under this black plastic and it flattened the soil oh and it it, then it it heated up if you didn't put mulch on top of it it really heat up uh but now there's landscape fabrics Mm -hmm. you know that do really the same thing as plastics but they are very porous and that's water pass you know through it but it was a tough way to garden when people were yes. doing these black 
plastic gardens, and they a lot of people did it that way. I know. I look back at it, and I think, <clears throat> oh, that was all marketing. Yeah. I don't know if a gardener would. You know, I mean, they'll, somebody will take something like the black plastic was good to use to sterilize your soil, which people had to do that sometimes. But then somebody in marketing thought, oh, I'm just going to tell everybody. So the next thing you know, we're all putting trash bags down on our landscape but then so no, then you, remember you'd buy this black plastic in these rolls i mean you had every size oh, yeah. known to man you know mm-hmm. 10 yeah. by 20 10 by 40 10 by 50 whatever plot you wanted oh, no. i just recall people doing the black you know well can i just use the black trash bag well you can but you can if you but, want you know but that was that's an old way of thinking people mm-hmm. wouldn't dare try to grow vegetables yeah. anymore in a black plastic garden or i was gonna say you know it does actually produce pretty good well no i mean jim it it does work but it's it's just not as far as i'm talking about as far as the health of your soil oh that's true you know because we're talking about the health of your soil that's why we put a cover crop in there to start Mm -hmm. with anyway it's really overall for the health of your soil or yeah maybe you don't leave it on long term maybe you just leave it on a certain cycle like some people use it to warm the soil up Mm. sooner but then a lot of people use it to kill bermuda grass yeah okay that i can agree with kill bermuda grass yeah i can agree (laughs) with that but 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 how far we've come though with these mm-hmm. wonderful raised beds. You yeah. know, I've seen some raised beds that are unbelievable. Not only the construction, but, I mean, the way they're spaced out in the yeah. backyard. You walk right through them. They're at the right height where you're not having to bend mm-hmm. over and do your harvest. Yes. You know, I'm like, mm-hmm. this is pretty good. Well, when that first started, all the raised bed situations, it didn't seem like mm-hmm. it, gardening would be fun anymore because I liked the whole tilling thing and making the the, the um, lines of soil and having it large and where you can walk up and down between you know the old the old way you know the of gardening old, the labor growing, intensive way yeah, Jim. when i'm growing up and that's how your grandparents fed us you know yeah. was that type of garden and i thought these little box gardens are just that's just not real that's just not but farming. now that she's aged some and bending yeah. over is an issue yeah <laughs> it's awesome. well then i started and this was like a number of years ago i started mm-hmm. thinking well this just makes it easier for more people to garden because everybody cannot do that well and, and jack gilbert a good friend of mine that lives down in olive branch wonderful guy he built some and he was in construction so he mm-hmm. these are beautiful raised beds and they're 20 uh, i think they're they're eight by 20 Eight foot nice. by 20 foot long. And he's got yeah. like five of them out there. And the crush rock in between them mm-hmm. and all this stuff. I mean, it's like a design within itself, it you know. Of course, he grows everything in the world now. And he really enjoys it because it's so much easier for him. And he's got them at the height, like I was telling yeah. you, where you don't have to bend over. You're not killing yourself trying to get your squash, mm-hmm. eggplant, tomatoes, whatever. And he really, really, really enjoys going out there every day taking care of this garden, you know. I now, like that. Now, That's the yeah. important part about yeah. gardening. Oh yeah. Now he he there he's got deer around there, um, so he has to you know well, deal vegetables with, go quite well with venison. Yes, they do. <laughs> I agree with you. <laughs> so it, 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 you can make it a lot of fun, but but he also uses a cover crop on every one of his raised mm. beds this time of year. He just doesn't want that soil. I mean, you could, but he just doesn't want it laying there bare uh, all winter. I wonder in, if he does like spring. the greens. He, he does. Some people don't do winter crops at all. He does. You know? He does. He so does. That's uh, kind of a cover crop. Well, but he but he's got like five of these beds, mm-hmm. and he's not going to have greens in every all, all five, five of, of them, them right? Yeah. But it's it's fun. I mean, he'll pull those um, he'll pull those summer veggies out and put mm-hmm. those fall veggies in, and he's 
Keeps on Keeps going. Keeps on going. All right, we're going to run to a break quickly. You can give us a call, 260-5926. <laughs> Good morning and welcome to Mid-South Gardening. If you have a hard time picking us up, you can go to kramradio.com and stream us online and hear our podcast as well. I'm Beta with Palladio. And I'm Mr. Kenneth with Dan West Garden Centers. And I'm Jim, the short, fat guy, retired gardener. <laughs> I got to write down a new title for you because I wrote that one for you too. Well, you know, and you've been using it In my it life, I've been called lots of things and it mm-hmm. used to be grumpy which he's not and he's not short and <laughs> most bad. of them no. you can't say on the radio yeah. oh well but, <laughs> but jim you've got a facebook page that a lot of people go to though we, we've been real proud of how it's how it's turned mm-hmm. out yeah we've kept it you know drama free and uh, mm-hmm. there's no preaching to ch- get you to change the way you gardening right. or anything like yeah, that. yeah what did i do to you this week <laughs> yeah because <laughs> <laughs> you know we don't like people or you don't to cut and paste information which totally agree mm-hmm. with because right. who said that well, I had been on the garden page, but you know how you kind of get lost in all this and stuff. That's and that's Mid-South Gardening. Yeah, I came up on the feed, and I saw where somebody had cut and pasted something, and I took a screenshot, and I sent it to Jim. You know, God. well, it wasn't even our page. Yeah, <laughs> it was somebody, this person's yeah. not a member. Where is she getting this? I know. It's like, oh, I got everything confused. So uh, anyway, but I'm Jim, watching. y'all started out with um, one person following y'all. and we, we, Yeah, we had 11 <clears throat> uh, initially when we started in uh, 2019. 19? Um, so it's only two years ago. Yeah, that's right. And Not there are thousands of people. Yeah, we're a little 7,200 now, I think. 2019 is when this that started? Yeah. Wow. Well, we did have a text um, uh, from Mary Tyndall this morning. She said, good morning, everybody. After the Mid-South Gardening, of course, make sure it's mm-hmm. after Mid-South Gardening <laughs> this morning. Um, come on down to the Cenotopia for take, uh, for the Tate County Holiday Open House, sponsored by the Cenotopia Main Street from 10 to 3 today. They got caches and Cash, I'm down there. They're giving you cash. <laughs> Prizes and I'm going. Uh, bank uh, card giveaways and dozens of local merchants will be participating down in Senatobia. That'd be a good time. And that's like I said, from ten to three today. Uh, just minutes down I-55. So yeah, Mary. Uh, hopefully, Miss Veda and me and Jim, we all might come down there. I'm not going unless they all go with me though. So. Oh, I got to do the work thing. Oh, well, play with the pansies, ornamental grasses, <clears throat> soils. Christmas, mm-hmm. Christmas. Hey, and y'all remember, I got to bring this up, and I just was telling y'all about this. Remember last weekend, I was telling y'all about recycling pumpkins, mm-hmm. you know, and y'all were like, you know, blowing me off and running me out of the room, you know, about, mm-hmm. yeah, go ahead and do that, and the raccoons will be eating them up, and the possums will be digging them up. I'm like, well, hang on just a yeah. minute. There's a lot of pumpkins out there, y'all. We need to be recycling these things. So sure enough, I was reading in the commercial appeal, you know, this week, uh, probably I think Wednesday is when I saw this article, and there's a company in town called, uh, what is it, Uh, Atlas Organics, okay? And they have got uh, a place set up in Midtown to where they want everybody to drop their pumpkins off because they do turn all these pumpkins into good, rich, Mm -hmm. organic matter. And I think they, uh, it's, it's like a civil thing. They give it away and use yeah. it and all this other stuff. But I was just thinking, man, that is a cool idea because there are billions of pounds of pumpkins out mm-hmm. there across this nation. Kind of like the Christmas tree thing. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. They, you know how we take those and uh, people grind, or I think at the Ag Center, and somebody mm-hmm. grinds them all up and it turns into mulch. And so it's, it's a good recyclable product. 
but I thought it was pretty cool that uh, you know you can you have a place to drop your pumpkins off now for for recycling purposes. I don't purposes. know. My pumpkin is pretty gummy, stinky. <laughs> Would it even make it to yeah, the box? I don't yeah. know how I could get that to the recycle place. I'll just let it compost right there in my own yard. But you might read about Atlas uh, Organics, A-T-L-E-S, Organics. Um, and what I was reading last night was pretty cool. I mean, it's it's a good thing that people mm-hmm. are composting, um, you know, instead of just, you know, they made the comment, Jim and Veda, about they didn't want to put all these pumpkins in the landfill. But I'm like, so what? Why not? I mean, it's not landfill. like you're putting plastic in a mm-hmm. landfill. This is pumpkins we're adding more organic matter to help break down the existing issues you know i really didn't have a problem with the you know pumpkins Mm -hmm. going to the landfill but anyway if you can drop them off uh you know let them break them down and use them in the compost and they'll give this stuff away it's all it's a win-win situation Mm -hmm. jim unless you have to transport it all gummy and stinky that's not a win-win situation (laughs) no (laughs) somebody had their pumpkins they put them up the first of october and um, they just left them out the whole time after they had rotted, and it just started oozing out on the sidewalk. And I'm thinking, okay, they'll pick that up tomorrow, whole month. And finally, it just was dry after it. It just anyway. Let's go ahead and go to a break. We've got lots more fun topics to talk about, other than melting pumpkins, right? Yeah, melting pumpkins and rock group or something yeah the melting pumpkins (laughs) there you go (laughs) it probably is but but i think it's pretty cool oh that's it yeah it was something to do and there's a whole lot of that going on in halloween also okay well when we come back we'll talk more probably about cover crops and uh beneficial insects landscaping diversity we'll talk about the frost and freeze and in the good parts and the bad parts associated with what happened the other night oh Oh, nice all right y'all we're gonna run to a break really quick and we'll see you in a minute garden help you need now mid-south gardening powered by palladio home and garden with your hosts veda vance kenneth mabry and jim crowder good morning and welcome to mid-south gardening glad you're up and with us today learning how to garden or teaching us how to garden Not exactly that's right we'd love to hear your questions you can post them on facebook live you can call in and talk about them live on air or you can give the information to claire and she'll put it up for us and we can just move along a lot <laughs> of different ways to do it and during the week if you come up with a question just put it on our facebook group page yes. mid-south gardening mm-hmm. and somebody will get right back to you yeah. <laughs> they will, just like you said well, how, how long does it take to get right back well usually just you know Sometimes with me, it, mm-hmm. you know, if, if I'm tagged in, it may take several hours. Right. Oh, is that <laughs> all? I'm thinking yes. a couple several of days, hours? maybe. <laughs> yeah, but no, usually somebody has responded with under five minutes yeah. before somebody answers a question. My God. Yeah. I know. It's and great to have somebody on call 24-7 or mm-hmm. what? Pretty much, yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. It's, uh, cra- it's not crazy. It's really great. I do like all the social media because Man, it is gr- it's ties the garden center uh, group tighter together, right. you know, and because we don't have 
the newspaper anymore. I tell you, I'm serious. It. Go to Mid South Gardening um, and and just scroll and look at the different pictures. You you see the different comments. You see all these questions, mm-hmm. and I'm it's just a wealth of information, and that's what it's all about anyway. Well, you know, when I just said mm-hmm. uh, we don't have the newspaper, instantly. It popped into my head, Mr. Paul calling oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. and frustrated because our gardening pictures that were in beautiful the color. The gardening page. Yeah. You know? And the newspaper went black and white. Yep. And then it went away. And then it went away. So, Mr. Paul, I just thought of you. Anyway, you can give us a call, 901-260-5926. 901-260-5926. That's the local number. And you can call us at- <laughs> Anywhere in the country at eight four four seven four seven eight eight six eight. Thank you very much. I was admiring much. my photos, and then I'm like, I feel somebody staring at me. <laughs> oh, it's my turn. Yeah, and we know that people have been, you know, enjoying the fall and the fall weather, which is beautiful. And people have been planting their pansies, bolas, ornamental cabbage, kale, mm-hmm. on down the line. But you know, right behind this is coming the Christmas season, right? And we've talked about this before. Uh, and then, you know, one of the, you know, the the plants that people love. Uh, Christmas trees? Is, is poinsettias, okay? Yes, and there are some them. do's and don'ts with poinsettias. Um, you don't know, eat them. Don't eat them. But, you know, well, you'd have you to can eat them. Eat them. Bun, yeah, you can. You? <laughs> I, was reading, um, I was reading last night where a 50-pound human mm-hmm. would have to eat over 500 yeah. bracts of poinsettias to give them an upset stomach. Even animals, you know? right? Didn't it? Yeah, it's, it, they're, the not, they're not toxic. Now, they're, no, they are toxic to dogs and cats. They? No, they're not. Uh, yeah, Jim, we gotta you got to eat a lot. Yeah, I read that one, too. We'll have to see. Yeah. I mean, I wrote down not toxic, but I thought I read where it was toxic to no, dogs just, and cats. No, just trust what you wrote. <laughs> but, you know, this whole <laughs> thing where people were like, oh, you know, I don't want a poinsettia in the house mm-hmm. because it is so toxic, so dead. No, it's not, yeah. you know. But the thing with poinsettias are they will last really through the Christmas season. They're they're you know they're they're part of Christmas, of course. But one thing they don't like is cold temperatures, you know. And I've told the story before where I went to a Christmas party one time, and out there and it was freezing. And out on the deck were these two big beautiful pots, and these were stuffed with poinsettias. And when we got to the party, these things looked beautiful. Okay, mm-hmm. and it was you know thirty two degrees out there. By the time we left the party, y'all, these things were dried up and dead and wilted <laughs> over. I mean, it was, they do oh. not like cold weather. Um, so if you, you know, eventually when you start getting your poinsettias, uh, you know, put them in a room that gets good, you know, indirect bright light. Uh, you know, make sure that you use tap water, lukewarm or room temperature water yeah. when you water. No one want to freeze it. No, leaves. your poinsettias. And, uh, you know, they always say if, you know, if you go buy the poinsettia on a cold, windy day in the winter, and you've got to go to two or three different grocery stores, you know, to find what you're looking for. And this thing is stuck in the trunk. It's freezing to death. By the time you get it home, it's going to look great. Then it's going to drop every leaf it has, right? Keep it out of that cold weather. But other than that, I always tell people, once the Christmas season is over, Jim, Veda, mm-hmm. you know, throw it in the compost pile. You know, yeah. <laughs> just get maybe they'll that. have a poinsettia dump. Right. Oh, Jim, and yeah. I would, I would <laughs> participate in that. that. <laughs> well, thank goodness that's that's two 
three weeks away because I get it won't be poinsettias long. start yeah. around Thanksgiving. I know actually I see some people starting getting poinsettias much earlier, but for me, I feel like Thanksgiving. Maybe have mm-hmm. one on your Thanksgiving table because now, like a customer told me, it's one big holiday. Yeah, Thanksgiving through Christmas. And, it and, really is. And what so. made me think about the poinsettias was Gina's got a couple Christmas cactus that are really starting to bloom right now, and they're beautiful. I mean, these are very long, elongated blooms. These things. She's probably had for 20 years. Uh, and then I was thinking, okay, these are Christmas cactus or Thanksgiving cr- cactus, but they're not really a cactus, are they, Jim? They're not. I mean, it's, it's a succulent, but it's not a cactus, even though we call it Christmas cactus or Thanksgiving cactus. You know, yes, it is a cactus. Are you sure? I don't think so. I don't think they are. I think I've read where they're not cactus. But not that it matters. I mean, you still want to treat them like a succulent uh, you know, you want to give them good. They're, again, indirect light. You want to keep them somewhat cool, you know. Right, um, yeah. and, and the biggest thing that you don't want to do is overwater uh, a Christmas or Thanksgiving Shoot, you cactus. you go like a week, two weeks. Oh, yeah, because I mean, they, they are sometimes. a succulent, you know, yeah. so you don't want to keep these things wet. But I tell you what, when they when they start to bloom, and they're, they're so inconspicuous through the whole year. Mm-hmm. Uh, until now, yeah. and I and I noticed the other day when I went in there on both of them, they're really starting to bloom. And like I said, it's, they're, she's got some very long blooms on them, so they're very elegant looking. But I'm thinking these things are just to me, they're just ugly as they can be until uh, they bloom. Yeah, yeah. but they're now they're beautiful I though. I know. <laughs> I think that too. And then I see people with them in containers. It's almost like mm. if you put the Christmas cactus in a cool looking container. Then it all looks good together. But I then agreed. if you put it in a cool-looking container for the whole season, except for when it blooms, then it doesn't match the container. <laughs> but my thing was, and, I, and I'm pretty sure, and Jim, he, he can, he'll definitely he'll find out, you know, mm-hmm. that. Why do they call them Christmas or Thanksgiving cactus when they're not truly a cactus, you know? So that, well, that, you know what their botanical name is? Z- mm-hmm. Zygocactus. Zygo <laughs> Zygo I knew that way. Mm-hmm. I'm so proud. Yeah, but Zygo. I think scientifically and botanically, they're just not a cactus. But I could be wrong. Hey, don't get me wrong. But, we'll see. But I mean, if, and if they're not, why do we call them a Christmas cactus? Oh, I cactus know, the because there's so many things like that that we call them when they're not even that and the thing with the poinsettia you know it mm-hmm. you know we've all read the story where i think you know colonel poinsett was like the u.s ambassador from the u.s mm-hmm. to mexico yeah and he saw these things in mexico because they're native there and he sent some poinsettias back to the united states um, you know, during the holiday season mm-hmm. uh, and that it just caught on yeah. people love these things uh, and that's where the name even comes from. Poinsettia is from, you know, Colonel Poinsett. Right. Um, so the the stories behind some of these things are, are pretty cool also. You know, we don't think about the, the story legends, behind it. We just right. think about we want a Poinsettia. The legends of the name yeah. of, of how it came to be. Yeah, and we're still we're still fall, really, technically, and fall is for planting. Fall is one of the best times to plant, even though it seems sometimes the availability is low of what you're looking for. But, you know, there's so much in stock still that you can plant. Veda, I'm telling you, you hit it on the nail. I've had so many people come into the garden center. Uh, just even yesterday, I had a couple of ladies come to me, and she said that she had a landscape company that was going to come over and do a lot of her landscaping here within the next week. Mm-hmm. And, oh, Jim's... He's going to debunk me. And um, 
and she asked me, she said, well, they were supposed to, they supposed to have done this six weeks ago. Look at the family name there under, and, under this. And she said, is it too late for them to come out and do my landscaping? I'm like, absolutely not. I mean, mm-hmm. she really right. thought. She was worried. Yes, yeah. absolutely. It was getting just too late in the season to plant. And these uh-huh. were mostly just trees and shrubs. I hear that too. Uh, yeah. And I was like, mm, no, ma'am. No. As long as that ground is not sloppy wet and it's not frozen, they can definitely right. get out there and, and plant like, this stuff. You're like, and I have a wagon here and I'll show you what shrubs. Exactly. <laughs> Are there any exceptions to that? annuals gardenias no, maybe in shrubs yeah that's that's yeah. the one maybe thing. indian hawthorn and gardenias well yeah. gardenias particularly yeah you know i like to plant in the spring uh, quite often they although they've mm-hmm. got some root development planted this time of the year they may not get enough roots out to replace the moisture that they need and when the temperature mm-hmm. gets really really cold and bitter yeah so it may suck the moisture out of the stems and they not be able to replace and that's it. the gardenia yeah. you're right talking about yeah, yeah see I, I agree with you we have like three gardenias left at work and and people are they're beautiful but i just don't feel good in selling them yeah. because i really feel like they won't yeah, the I other mean, thing they might, but probably not. Yeah, the other thing I don't like to plant in the fall are four-inch pots of ground covers. Those I like to You're wait right. till spring. Because yeah. so often we see the just a hard freeze, mm-hmm. uh, heave them up out of yeah. the ground. And yeah. then wind dries that root ball out, and they end up dying on you. So mm-hmm. if you're doing, you know, now monkey grass is an exception. You can, you know, dump it on the ground. Monkey grass, yeah. monkey grass. Yeah, yeah, it'll be fine. You know, it'll right. root in regardless. Uh, but for things like Asiatic jasmine and mm-hmm. uh, vinca minor, you know, if you're doing a dozen plants, chance it. I mean, yeah. that's okay. But if you're spending large money to do a huge area, I, I would wait till spring. I think you'll mm-hmm. you'll have much better results. Well, let's run to a break. You'll give us a call at 844-747-8868. You can stream us online, kwamradio.com. Check us out Facebook Live, and we'll be right back. Good morning and welcome back to Mid South Gardening. Our producer's looking at us yeah, with the she eye. Keeps, she she's keeps like, you in line. Yeah, I'm watching her going, okay, okay. Thanks, Claire. Oh, gosh, she's looking at me too. But <laughs> well, she keeps us on track like Tom. That's why I have my back to, to her. So <laughs> you know, she doesn't kill me with the evil eye. <laughs> if you want to give us a call this morning, 901 260 5926. 901 260 5926. And we were talking about poinsettias. And, Help me. Oh, what's wrong? <laughs> I can't make them work. Poinsettias. <laughs> and, uh, you know, and the last thing we were talking about is were they uh, toxic to uh, dogs and or cats? I guess they are, they, they're, they're only, well, they say they're mildly toxic, but they could not physically eat enough to kill them. Yeah. Um, I mean, they're just not. So don't 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 have to worry about it. Now, uh, you know, like with anything, uh, the sap of poinsettias, even on humans, can some people are allergic to it and have a reaction right, to it. So right. I mean, it could cause some skin issues or something like that. Yeah. But it, again, it's not. It's not. They're not going to die if they eat some poinsettia. Yeah. Because uh, I now, mean, you know, you always look at everything as potential poisonous because people react different, or animals react different. You know, a small percentage. Oh, so everything's sure. potential. It, we are humans do the same thing. Yeah, exactly. yeah, that. So. And then, and we'll get off talking about anything Christmas related. But Louise Taylor just said, <laughs> yeah, "Good morning." Right. She yeah. said, "Good morning." Thank I love you. shopping early with Christmas music. So there you go. Well, good because we're doing that right now. Yeah. Hey, let's go to Kim. 
Good morning, Kim. You're in the Mid-South Garden. Thank you. Hey, Kim. Good morning to you, babe. How have you been? Good. I'm calling just as a happy birthday to Ken Mabry. How in the world did you, do you, how did you know that? It's all over the internet. I know. I it's coming up Monday. Nothing private. Once I learn something, I don't forget anything. I'm a computer, so. You're not kidding. And it was good seeing you and Eddie the other day. They came by the garden center. Uh, and it was really yeah. good seeing y'all, Miss Kim. I mean, you look great. Of course, Eddie was great. Uh, it's always good seeing y'all two together. Eddie looks better because he's lost weight. I haven't lost any weight, but I'm trying. Well, that's just a sign of prosperity is all that is. <laughs> no, I think it's a sign of laziness. <laughs> <laughs> Nowadays, yeah. Well, uh, and Kim, now, you know, you do a lot of gardening yourself, and you do a lot of vegetable gardening in your containers. Now, I'm assuming now all that stuff is gone, pulled up, and it's in the compost pile, correct? No. No, because I have a lot of the herbs that mm-hmm. we just leave there hoping it will make it through the winter. That's and right. if mm-hmm. it doesn't, we'll replace when I, when we see you next <laughs> But right now we still have a pot of snow peas. You know, mm-hmm. as Eddie told you, we have a pot of, he called it sugar peas, it's right. snow peas. Right. So, and... Um, a lot of things we just leave out there, and, hoping and, and praying they'll make it. Mm-hmm. And how did your garden do this year? I mean, because some well, people, you know, some you know, some years it's better, some years it's worse. Yeah. A lot of that depends on the weather. How'd yours do, Miss Kim? You know, like I said in the picture of the little joy that I sent y'all. Yeah. It, many things have not produced as prolifically yeah. as some other years, yeah. but I'm eating the last of the incarnata fruit mm-hmm. now, and there weren't as many as. Some years, but they started later, as you know. Right. And she, she's talking about Passiflora and Canada. Yeah. 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 yeah, yeah. yeah. And because the passion the, vine. Yeah. And it was yeah. so wet and cool this spring that, you know, things were later as far as the veggies mm-hmm. go. You're right. Yes. So we have, <clears throat> we have let's see, um, little one pot of three garlics that are up, and we're mm. praying that we'll make it through the winter. Right. Eddie's always make it because his is our. In the yard, in the in the ground, in the ground miner yeah. in pots, so that mm-hmm. takes more prayer. Yes, yes it does. <laughs> <laughs> yes, it does. Because I mean, you think about it. Anything that's in a container, it's above ground. Yes. If it gets really cold and stays cold, it can freeze through the pot, mm-hmm. and that's what kills whatever's in the pot. So yes. I agree with you, Miss Kim. But I tell you what, I've seen your pictures, and and I know what you do. Uh, it's amazing uh, what you and Eddie do as far as producing produce in those containers. I think y'all have got it down pat. Well, we pray so. Um, and, of course, we have that, you know, walking Egyptian onion. <clears throat> so he says around here, they call it winter onion. So mm. several pots of that is, are still out there. And we've done a lot of sharing of that, or evangelizing, yeah. I guess. Yeah. <laughs> and they're yes. all doing. And... A friend of mine gave me some milkweed that they dug up from the ground, and she said, I brought her over here because everything grows. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know, it's pretty good when you get a uh, reputation that everything go, grows good at Miss Kim's house, you know? Yeah, let's bring it over and yeah. heal so it. Give it to Kim. So anyway, that, they're still, it got tall as I am. Um, mm. I think some of them are still blooming. Yeah. Uh, Eddie and Gail have been out of town. You know, I haven't seen them since last Saturday, but um, I we keep saying we're going to cut down on the garden, but we really like it. So 
he says cut down, and then I go out wanting, oh, I want this. Right. You yeah. told me to yeah, cut they, they down. Expound, you you know. told me to cut down, and I panic and think I need to go buy more. Yeah, of course. Because I can't buy any more later. Yeah, we, <laughs> yeah, we cut down all winter, and then come spring, I said, oh, Eddie, I have to have this. I know. <laughs> See, that's I why I'm it. liking Jim's idea of treating roses like annuals. You can have a different rose uh, every year. Every year. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Well, well, Kim, I love you to death, and I do appreciate you thinking of me, uh, but you can forget about that date if you want to, okay? Oh. He's trying just as hard as he can. Yeah, (laughs) quit with the birthday. I don't forget. No, gosh, and that's the I see. She's not going to forget. And we're thankful for every year we make it through, aren't we? Isn't that the truth, Miss Kim? We love you, dear. Keep up the good work, and if you have any questions, you just give us a call. Thanks. Thanks for calling, Miss Kim. Thanks, Kim. She's going to say thanks for gardening. Yeah, well, she too. does. She's that a too. wonderful gardener. Man, gardening is a lifesaver, really. I mean, a lot of times if you're just really bummed out, you just get outside, mm-hmm. and, and, and it feels good. I mean, you might have to move around a little bit, and then eventually it just pulls you in. And, and, and Kim has done it for so long. And, you know, and the thing that, and she is legally blind, and she mm-hmm. does it better than I could ever do it. So congratulations to her. All right, we're going to run to a break. Y'all get your coffee, get your tea, and get ready to sit down and listen to us or give us a call. We'll be back. Good morning, gardeners. Welcome to Mid-South Gardening. We are here hanging out talking about your garden or what your garden could be. Yes, and if you want to give us a call, guys, it's easy. 901-260-5926. 901-260-5926. That's a local number. And you can also give us a call at... <laughs> Jim's looking for the number. <laughs> you hide, Are you hiding it? 747-8868. That's 844-747-8868. You need to write that down I somewhere. do need to write it down. <laughs> I don't know just, what happened to my piece of paper, Jim. You can just cheat. You know, some things we don't ever think about is vertical diversity. Uh, like yeah. looking up and yeah. the trees, <clears throat> the, our canopy of what's landscaped above us. No one looks up, ever. No. But the ver- like the trees, what kind of trees do we use? Um, are we thinking about what they're beneficial to? Like what kind of uh, caterpillars, what kinds of birds? Um, are you planting them properly for a windbreak? Yeah. You know, there, there's things like that. Vertical d- diversity. I liked, I saw that phrase somewhere. And well, how like, many yeah, times, though, makes... they have we talked about, you know, a tree is it's something substantial, okay? Mm-hmm. So you don't want to just willy-nilly just plant a tree just yeah. anywhere in your landscape. And you can, don't get right. me wrong. Especially if you're just doing one. Yeah. <laughs> um, but a lot of people strategically plant trees, mm-hmm. whether it's for windbreaks like you're talking about, whether it's for screening, yeah. uh, whether it's for shading more than anything. A lot of people do it for shading. Like if your house is facing due west, yeah. And it will flat out just cook, you just, know, in the afternoon sun. People will plant a tree out there to shade right, the front of the house. That's all you're wanting. I just want a shade tree. Uh, but, uh, but as far as... The diversity. Yes. Because, you know, there's trees, certain trees that attract certain types of birds. So if you're wanting that type of bird, then you look and see what types of plants attract the bird. Or has the food for the birds. And trees are the same way. You, you never think about how a tree will benefit this type of bird versus that type of ver- bird in terms of nutrition. 
or even shelter, really. Well, and then there are trees that have berries, you know, mm-hmm. uh, that people, truly birders, you know, they want to make sure that's happening at some point. You know, most of them would have a berry in the fall. Um, but, yeah, I mean, a lot of people, they take into account that these mm-hmm. things are attributes to this tree. Where, to me, I'm just looking kind of for a tree that, hey, looks good, and yeah. I put it in the right spot, you know? Well, you know, another type of tree to mix into your landscape is the marcescent, the trees that hold their leaves through the winter. Like an evergreen. Yeah. Well, no, like the oak trees. You know how they keep their leaves in the winter and then they lose them in the spring, like red oaks. Red or, oaks, yeah. 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 Mm-hmm. Well, that's a good tree to have because it's because of the leaves are there, that adds protection to wildlife too, birds and such. So... uh you know, plant, plant, that's the vertical diversity. Plant one that keeps its leaves, plant an evergreen, plant one that loses its but leaves. But you're, are you thinking about wildlife when you're thinking about this, though? Right. Yeah, yeah that's you. my whole thing. It's, when I think about wildlife, I think about plenty of space for to have a party. Oh, yeah, that wildlife. <laughs> <laughs> that wildlife. No trees it. for that one. <laughs> no trees for that one. And, but, um, and what about yeah. putting up? like suet and bird feeders you Mm -hmm. know this time of year a lot of people say you know that you will uh the birds that you know that let's just say if you start feeding birds and and with suet or or Mm -hmm. bird food now right but then you stop feeding them uh in midwinter you know they get Mm -hmm. so accustomed to coming to your place for food that they're like no 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 you're going to kill all these birds out there horse feathers right exactly thank you jim and what do you mean by that well they'll just find food elsewhere yeah you know, mm-hmm. I mean, there have been times. It's an when easy it's, way to get food, but it, you're not you're not weaning them just to eat no. your and food. It's yeah. like you know, people say, "Oh, I got to take my hummingbird feeder down, mm-hmm. otherwise the hummers won't go south." No, no. they're a little smarter yeah. than you that. Know, yeah, they got millions of years of ingrained um, yeah. instincts. Yeah, yeah. Of, of, of of migration in their brains. You can't make them stay. So they're not going to stick around just because you've got some sugar water in your hummingbird feeder. Yeah. Well, then also if you have like a sterile monoculture landscape, you would definitely need bird feeders because they don't have so much to come to the landscape for. Well, I feed mine. You know, I I feed them a suet. I don't feed wild bird seed because I get bazillions of of sparrows. And I don't want anything with corn that helps keep Mm. not having blackbirds in there. Yeah. Um, but I feed a suet that has uh, it's stuck together sunflower seed with uh, dried mealworms. Yeah, and, and then I have a mealworm feeder all by itself, and that's what that's what I feed through the winter. So I get lots of wrens and bluebirds and and yeah. things like that. So yeah, so you can attract a certain type of bird right. by the bird food you use or by the types of plants. So, but Veda, but Veda's cheating. Not only does she have the bird feeders up, she wants the diversity out there, like for them to nest in, to roost Mm -hmm. in, to have a home in. Says the lady who lives in an apartment. Yeah, I know. That's why I'm really. (laughs) Oh, but the trees have finally gotten tall enough that now I get to enjoy that. (laughs) I don't have to look down on it. And I remember when I moved in, I said, "There's no way I'll ever be here when those trees grow up." Well, dadgummit, I'm still there. <laughs> yeah, but I, I mean, but at least I have a garden center garden in, right? Yes. <laughs> so don't forget yeah. about the old feathered friends out there. Yeah. Uh, you know, they might need a little helping hand, you know, with some suet. And it's easy. You know, you just mm-hmm. hang that thing up there and they pluck away at it and they love it. I thought suet was a bird. Because <laughs> you got you were getting suet. You get bird seed to feed birds and to suet, feed the suet to feed right? a suet bird. 
<laughs> and I thought, well, I should check into this little. We one. are experts. I yeah. promise you. Well, we you know, really I had you had to learn by some mistakes. Yeah. And since this isn't a recent epiphany, I feel okay to say it out loud. Okay. Exactly. And <laughs> but, then let me just make a comment. Uh, you know, we made the comment last weekend that we'll probably have someone from the Memphis area Master Gardeners coming up here. Uh, next weekend to talk about mm-hmm. the Memphis Area Master Gardener calendar, which is always a huge hit this time of yeah, year. Yeah, they said this one's phenomenal. They're all phenomenal. I know, and and they're, the, what I love about them, honestly, and we'll talk you know extensively about it next weekend, uh, is not only of the you know the pictures that are in there, which are great, but they're all local pictures mm-hmm. by local, local gardeners, yeah. you know. And then the information that you have in the calendar is it's all for here, the Mid South area. You know, that's just it's a yeah. local information picture but can, calendar. It can still work like in the zone. Oh well, of. yeah, so but I mean, like, it's not for like, our listeners like in Chattanooga yeah, yeah. or Greenville, Mississippi. Right. It's still in. But the, we're not talking about Ontario, Canada. You know, right, we're talking about right. things that go on around here. Yeah. In the calendar, so. Um, we should have someone from the Memphis Area Master Gardeners up here in the studio next weekend talking about the calendars. Yeah, I'm looking forward to seeing that. Uh, it's a lot of fun. They're already, and then it, the well, we're going to talk about that next week. So y'all definitely have to tune in to that. And I got a question for both of y'all. And forgive me if I didn't catch this, but I know at one point we were talking about these, you know, these exotic, these exotic insects and animals that we just don't want around here. Uh, and one was the lantern fly that we were talking mm-hmm. about. Mm-hmm. But did, did you, oh, Jim, it might have been you. Did you mention the, the box tree moth? Yes. Uh, and, yeah, we published uh, the um, the flyer from, from the Department of Tennessee on the Facebook group, but that's been a couple of months ago. Because well, I was reading about that thing again last night, and mm-hmm. I'm like, I think Jim or Vader, but I, I couldn't remember which one of y'all yeah. brought that up. Now, the box tree moth, mm-hmm. uh, they laid the eggs on... Boxwoods, boxwood, yes. And you're saying, Jim, that there were some boxwoods that came out of Canada mm-hmm. uh, and made their way to different parts of the United States, including Tennessee. Yeah, including Memphis. They went through a, oh, dis- through a Kroger distribution <laughs> center. The boxwoods that showed up at, at Kroger in some areas, they Crazy. were found to be infected. Now, the ones that came into the Memphis area, they were all checked Good. Uh, by mm-hmm. our local field representative. And uh, they were found to be clean. So we've not seen any evidence here in the Mid-South. But I was scratching my head last night. Okay, here's just something else Else. that we might have to deal with. And this thing, I mean, I was looking at the pictures of the damage that the caterpillars do to these boxwoods. And it, it just like it's like it, they just absorb it in this big web, kind of like a webworm or a tent uh-huh. caterpillar, and just start eating the boxwoods up. Yeah. And I'm thinking, you know, they said Tennessee, but you said also, Jim, you know, they some of those boxwoods oh, made yeah. it to the Memphis area. Yes, yeah, and some in Nashville, and I believe they did find a sample in Nashville. Um, and then, um, but there were several found like in Minnesota, mm-hmm. some of the Northern states where well, they, do you they think, I mean, as far as you have read, uh, nothing hopefully here in the mid South, but I hope that we don't even have this thing here in, in the United States. Yeah. Eventually, you know, it probably will spread, you know, like everything it, it's, else does. It's difficult to control these things. You know, they're spending, uh, zillion dollars right now trying to control mm. the uh, the spotted lanternfly um but it's and that's a know, bad little thing too it, it you is know. you know it plays havoc on it when you see them on something like a fruit tree you can't see the trunk 
Yeah. There are so many yeah. of them Amazing. on it. It's just, <laughs> it's like scary look. looking. Yeah, yeah, I don't like that look. Oh, uh, it's uh, so, you know, And then they can play havoc on grapevines, you know. So this is not something we want in. And this is in, a new exotic species yes. that we're not used to. Right. Uh, and it seems like anything mm-hmm. that comes, you know, whether it's an Asian insect or a that's another one, the Asian longhorn beetle. Right. Yeah. I mean, now found its way into the South Carolina area. Yeah. And so, by firewood. Yeah, firewood. Like and I yeah. think they first came into the country in pallets. Um, oh, wow. Yeah, from Europe. I mean, how do you stop it? You know, really. Yeah, exactly. Because, I mean, they inspect, everything's inspected, but, I mean, it is an insect. Yeah, yeah and when you're talking about, you know, literally on any given day, hundreds of thousands of pallets coming into mm-hmm. the country. Yeah. You know, how can yeah. how can they check every single one? Yeah. yeah. That's and I know we got Alan on board, and Alan, we'll get to you right after the break to talk about some trees. But it's just, you know, I, but like I said, I was reading this last night thinking, you know, that we, we have enough problems as it is. Uh, and I guess this will always be this way, that we'll always have some of these exotics coming yeah. in from wherever, and it just creates another problem. And remember the boxwoods, you know, uh, they were having the huge, horrible problem with boxwood blight uh, in the Virginias and the Carolinas and so forth. Uh, and thank goodness that, to my knowledge, hasn't made it here to the Mid-South. No. But it's mm-hmm. it's been detrimental hugely uh, yeah, in it, those areas. And it won't, the moth won't be as tough here as yeah. it is like in england they have forest of boxwoods yeah you know yeah. where they're a real problem uh here we have just you know scattered landscape yeah. with them so i think they'll be even if they do make it into our area they'll be much easier to control oh, good. here than mm-hmm. they would be say in in england where yeah. you, you so the sky is not falling yet not yet not here no. right so yeah so now we need to just find the predator yeah. <laughs> that's the thing if we can come up with a predator but then you know you never know when you release a predator on it yes. if it's going to be predatory on something that you didn't want it to. right that's, that's there are a lot thing. of you know in maybe fact, it would I'm hit a, kudzu oh we're going to go to a break and we can talk about yeah that. when we come back from the break i want to talk about when people do things that just make them they're not doing what you think they are <laughs> this is true yeah all right we'll, we'll be back, be back. <laughs> Good morning, gardeners. Welcome back to Mid-South Gardening. Glad you're up with us early today. We're going to take a caller, and then Jim's got a, a topic that he's holding for us. And we're going to go to Alan. Good morning, Alan. You're in the Mid-South Garden. Good morning, guys. How are y'all doing? We're great, Alan. Appreciate you hanging on there, buddy. Yeah, no problem. Yes, sir. I heard talking about trees, so you know I had to call in. No, yeah. Absolutely. I got a question and just one comment first. Yes, you know what I've noticed this fall? Uh-uh. I have noticed walking around campus on the University of Memphis and at my church and at a couple other places how well taken care of those trees are. Huh. Well, you th- and hey, how pretty they are. You're right. Now, Alan, <laughs> and, and also I was reading some articles about the Botanic Gardens last night, the Memphis Botanic Gardens. And, of course, the Memphis Botanic Gardens have their own arborist. Well, you know that the University of Memphis, with all the trees out there on the campus, you know, they had their own arborist out there also. True. You know, so. Oh, yeah. But, um, Alan, let me just say this real quick, and I'll let you speak. You need to come up here and see us from time to time. We do, we do miss you, Alan, is all I wanted to say, buddy. 
Hey, I'm finally catching up on sleep. I got up in time to listen to y'all. We don't want to hear that. There you go, Alan. Alan used to uh, be our producer up here as well. Yeah, Claire taught him everything he knows. (laughs) Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Missing all the shenanigans already. (laughs) Anyway, shout out to the arborists that we don't see, but they do such a good job. But They're just so pretty. You know what else University of Memphis has? Crazy squirrels. How do they? (laughs) After classes and all the students are gone. Those squirrels cause a ruckus. They're everywhere. They're running all over the place, yelling at each other. It's a party. It's one of those wild parties that y'all were talking yeah, about. There we go. There we yeah, go. yeah I, I've never known a squirrel not to be crazy. Let me put it that way. <laughs> God. You can see it up close and personal there. My goodness. You well, sure can. Um, Alan, I'm sure school is going well for you. I know you were making straight A's when, uh, you know, when you were here. So, yeah, and, and congratulations. I heard, and I heard that you got engaged also. <clears throat> Yes, yes, exciting time. Yes, all grown up. <laughs> yeah, but we can't have it that way. No, but well, Alan, yeah, hey, enjoy the trees, enjoy the fall color, if you will, and while you're squirrels. while you're doing all your schoolwork. And if you have a, uh, if you come up with a remedy of a way to get rid of those squirrels, then you make sure you give us a shout. <laughs> For now, I'll watch them have fun. Yeah, exactly. That nothing better entertainment than that. Sometimes. Yeah. Thank you, Alan, for calling. Yeah, go ahead, buddy. Oh, go ahead. Probably for Jim. Um, I've got some bonsai tools now. Mm-hmm. I had some birthday presents. Got some fun stuff. I still don't have a tree. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you mentioned um, pyracantha. I think. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, is now a good time to start going and getting some of that and trying to, you know, trim it down to size and trying my hand at wiring it up and that kind of thing? Yeah, it is. It's a good time. Now, one thing with pyracantha, make sure that when you get ready to do the wiring, water it thoroughly the day before and then mm-hmm. wait a couple of days. It gets more pliable mm-hmm. when it's a little bit dry. So the okay. uh, okay. same, same thing happens if you decide to do an azalea. We want to let them dry for a few days before you start to try to wire them. Otherwise, it'll snap. Um, but, gotcha. yeah, it's a good time. This time of year, you usually see plants that have been brought in in the spring. We've got another growing season on them. But they're beginning to thin out, drop some foliage, and you can see the trunk and the root structure and that sort of thing. And I would tell you, yeah, Alan, also yeah. to make sure you wear a pair of gloves, which Jim wouldn't tell you because there are thorns all over this pyracantha, okay? Yeah, and there are some thornless, thornless ones now, too. So, yeah. you know, there, there are some other options. Yeah. Uh, gotcha. But, yeah, when they get loaded down with berries on a little pretty tree, man, they're, they're spectacular. Cool. Y'all got some of that at Dan West? We have some uh, pyracanthas at the Highway 64 location, Mr. Allen. Cool, cool, yeah. cool, cool. All right. Thanks, guys. All right, buddy. Thank good you, hearing Alan. from you, Alan. Appreciate the phone call, Take care, man. Alan. So, yeah, uh, y'all have a good one. Thank you. I uh, have never thought about bonsai and a paracanth. Neither, but they're, that sounds pretty gorgeous. cool. They're gorgeous when they're full of berries. So you've got to, yeah. And the leaves are typically well, smaller than a lot of plants, so they, yeah. they lend themselves to bonsai. And, and they've well. been pretty, pretty. Once Easy, if you Jim. let them dry a little bit, yeah, yeah. So I would have never known. Well, that. I spent so much time pruning a spellier on the wall of the pyracantha, and you know where they're eight feet this way, right. twenty feet that Diamond way, shapes making, and so yeah, forth. Yeah, right. So it's hard to imagine that big, huge pyracantha down to a little bonsai. Yeah, well, it's where you find you a nice five or six foot tree 
uh, that's got a good trunk and good root flare on it. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, uh, 20 minutes later, it's uh, 12 inches tall. Yeah, that's so <laughs> you true. Know, you know, it's amazing. I mean, you, you can grow a, a bonsai redwood forest on a piece oh, of rock. Absolutely. It's the most amazing thing I have ever seen and one of the most expensive things I've <laughs> ever seen. But that's pretty cool, though. Just get that wire out there, bend those things in shape, do the pruning, and he'll love it. All right, we'll see you in a few minutes. We'll be right back. garden help you need now mid-south gardening powered by palladio home and garden with your hosts veda vance kenneth mabry and jim crowder good morning welcome to mid-south gardening we're so glad to be here with you this morning i am veda with palladio gardens and i'm uh, kenneth with dan west garden centers and beside me is what yeah, is what? Is what? I'm what? what I'm on third. That? That's no. Jim Crowder. Jim, that's Kenneth. Love yeah, Jim. <laughs> Mr. Jim Crowder. I um, am a retired nurseryman, landscape learning garden type dude. Um, dude. Now, do you still do a, your, a lot of speeches, Jim? I mean, you I still do some. I'm trying to back off of that and let some of the younger kids do it. I don't know, know why, because know. I've had so many people mm-hmm. tell me that when they go to a seminar or whatever something that jim's doing they absolutely love it right. well, I, I try to keep them laughing you know you know keep it light yep i do so you know uh. okay so anywho y'all give us a call yeah one of the things i want to talk about you know people sometimes do things thinking they're doing the right thing but his is uh, other consequences that you don't really buy uh mm-hmm. amen to that this i was reading an article uh yesterday or the day before about somebody using cinnamon for a fungicide on their cacti <laughs> okay well the truth is cinnamon does have a have an antifungal property that's it, true mm-hmm. but it's not selective it kills all fungal issues okay, so you you, you're destroying the fungal fungi that you have growing in your soil which mm-hmm. are necessary for nutrient reduction so, so somebody read this probably online. Hey, use cinnamon, right. you know, and it will and, cure and it your probably will stop you from having dampen off, but it also inhibits nutrition uptake. Um, you know, whereas the fungicides that we have that are designed to do certain mm. things, they're they're very specific. Spe- yeah, very species specific, mm-hmm. so that they don't target the thing the beneficials that we need. So. You know, these home remedies that some people think, well, this is good. You know, I'm, I'm b- doing a good thing. Well, not necessarily. So, Who was it? Jerry Baker. Remember that? Yeah. Oh, yeah. And, you know, th- there was a book out yeah. about, oh, you know, homemade several. remedies. And, mm-hmm. you know, a lot of those, of course, since have been debunked well, and so and forth. It's but. also like he used a lot of household items. Ammonia. Which, and, uh, you know. Yeah. If I go i don't want to think about those <laughs> but like where you know because some of that stuff was tricky but you know some of the things that he talked about that are really nutrients that you can have in your house yeah a lot of it was nutrient but, based but like cinnamon's in your house i mean like yeah, jim's in that's then just there's that yeah you know, but his his teaching us to mix ammonia with things yeah i don't want to get into all that <laughs> 
So, so all you're saying, Jim, is be careful when you... When you think you're doing something good, do a little investigation and don't read the first thing and, or believe the first thing you see on the Internet. Um, because, mm. you know, if it's doing something, then you have to ask yourself, is it doing that to everything? Okay? <laughs> uh, before you start dumping cinnamon, make your house smell good. But it uh, yeah. it doesn't it's not doing beneficial things for your soil. Well, that is, uh, yeah, and I'm sure that is a lot of that going on. Yeah. You know, as far as well, homemade you know, remedies. So many stuff. people you hear them recommend using Dawn, uh, you know, as an insecticide. A surfactant. Or is, is just an or, or a soapy water, yeah. like an insecticidal soap. But it's not a soap. It's a detergent, and it does different things. Dawn will strip the the cuticle layer off of foliage, and that cuticle layer is necessary for um, for controlling the amount of light that goes in. It's also disease and insect protection. I mean that so you detrimental. Then, oh yeah, using something like just liquid Dawn. That's right. In water or using it as a surfactant because it's safe for ducks. Now, so if we you're spraying, it's yeah. Safer, yeah, if you're spraying weeds with, the, it's okay. You want to strip the cuticle layer off, but not so nice house plants and exactly. You know, it's not something you want to use on 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 the plants that you really care about. Um, you know, yeah. And, and so you wouldn't wash your hair with Dawn. It's right. Take the, the cuticle is, layer you know, off. If, if you take that little duck and wash all the oil off of him with Dawn, and then throw him in the water, he'll it's drown. Gonna, yeah, he's gonna sink. He will. I mean, you've taken all the wax off mm-hmm. of the fo- lead, uh, off the feathers that he needs to float. No, but you're saying. You could use a soap, but you can't use a detergent. Don't use a detergent. Use a true soap uh, or uh, insecticidal soap is exactly that. It's a soap, and it doesn't do that, doesn't remove that cuticle layer. So it's much, much safer to use, you know, and there depending on the carbon chains in, in insecticidal soap, it can also be a weed killer. You know, the longer the chains, the more toxic it is to weeds. So, you know, it's the same stuff. It's just a type of soap. But it's, you know, soap's okay. Detergent's not okay. Now, and what about using soap mm-hmm. uh, as a surfactant? Um, but then the more you read about a lot of these newer products that are on the market now, they actually come with their own built-in surfactant. surfactant yes. Uh, I mean, so it, I, mean I, don't, I don't guess it would hurt to use soap on a product that already has a surfactant? Probably not. But you know, as long as you don't overdo it. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah, most of them do come That's because hard to s- say. so many of these in- insecticides, you know, when you're when you're wanting to spray a leaf, you want to get it all over that leaf. Yeah. If it's not a systemic, you need to cover the entire thing. So they right. put a surfactant in there to make it just kind of flatten out. Right. You know? Exactly. Not beat up and just roll off. Exactly. You know? Right. So it makes it stick to it. And, 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 pl- and many plants have a very fine uh, fuzz on them, so it helps settle between that, keeps the water from beating up between mm-hmm. them. So it's an important part of of a spray program. Uh, but, again, these surfactants are designed to do just that. They're n- you get no... Uh, at least in most cases, you don't get unnecessary uh, results from Yeah, them. or detrimental results. Yeah. And, and that's not to say that there aren't homemade remedies out there that are not good. Right. Okay, it's yeah. like Jim just saying it, you know, just do a little bit of research and make sure that you're not trying to do the right thing, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. But then also doing the bad thing. So, yeah. uh, you know, some of that stuff is pretty easily found They're out. running out there shaking your 
cinnamon all over the root system. And then what are you going to do for cinnamon toast? Yeah, but I also heard that cinnamon <laughs> is a great repellent for ants. I mean, I've seen people put cinnamon on windowsills yeah. in the kitchen and... Uh, it repels ants. I don't know if it works or not. I've never done it myself, but I've heard of that. Maybe it's the smells overwhelming, maybe? You know, and then, of course, peppermint. You know, peppermint, or whether it's peppermint, peppermint oil or just yeah, peppermint. That kind of burns their noses and their well, eyes. It's supposed to be <laughs> a really good uh, repellent for rodents, you know, whether it's uh, mice or whatever. So, that, there again, I don't know how well it works, but I know there's a product on the market that we've carried called Mouse Magic, okay? Mm-hmm. Mouse magic is kind of like a, just a pack, a throw pack. You can throw it up under your bed or in the attic or whatever, and all it is is peppermint. Right. I had an uncle that worked at the research department, Texas A&M, and this was like the light, late 90s, and they were at that time researching peppermint to repel flies and insects. Wow. And, I, and I'm listening to him talk about all this, which is intriguing, but I'm going, there's just no way a peppermint can do that. But now, And that was in the late 90s, but now it's progressing, and I'm hearing, you know, where we're using it more oh, yeah. for repelling. Oh, and, and I, I definitely think it works. Uh, mm-hmm. but, you know, then again, I think this product called Mouse Magic, which is a throw pack of peppermint, does a great job. I've had people come in and tell me they've had, um, you can use it anywhere, of course, mm-hmm. whether it's a shed or a boathouse or whatever. Yeah. But in particular, I had this lady telling me that she's got a rural, kind of like a cabin up in the mountains, and they use it there when they're not there. Uh, and she said it's, she's never found anything that even that does any better so, than this product. So can I use... Just regular peppermint? Absolutely. Like little candies? Well, then you're going to get ants and everything uh, else. No, yeah, baby. See, Quit taking nah. the shortcut. Now, you can right. get peppermint oil and put it like on a cotton ball and throw those around. Yeah. You know, so. Um, but it yeah. seems like if you were going to buy it, there'd be something different about it. Like, you were calling them, what you were calling them? My, my mouse house? magic. Ma- which mouse is granulated magic. peppermint something mm-hmm. in a throw pack. It's just yeah. already in its own little pack. You just open the bag, throw the packs well, around. It would be better to do that than have a sticky peppermint. You know, have you ever, you know how peppermint just sticks to things. Just a reminder, one of the first thing on most products is a statement that says it is a violation of federal law to use a product <laughs> inconsistent with its labeling. <laughs> it's true. Okay. Except for on a mattress tag. <laughs> exactly. Because no, it's a federal you, law, you can't take it off. Oh, well, no, the consumer can take it off. You know, it's just buried in that little fine print there. That <laughs> <Okay>. you, <yeah. laughs> it's so funny how a lot of times people wouldn't take tags I off because of that. I still have Well, some. now that's lazy. Yeah. No. <laughs> Because that's me. me. They're on exactly. Because that's me. <laughs> I had um, anyway. Lonnie um, Childress. She texted in on Facebook Live and said, "Why is it that Sunday through Friday I have a million freaking questions? Then on Saturday morning I draw a blank." I know. <laughs> it's kind of like I do that during the week. Oh, I'm gonna tell them this on the show. I'm gonna tell yeah. them this on the show, and then here I am just staring into oblivion, going, "What was I gonna say?" And then Mary uh, Calvary. She texted in. She said, "Is it too late to use dimension?" Uh, is a uh, weed preventer. And of course, we know prevent uh, dimension is a, a pre-emergent. Uh, and the short answer is absolutely not. You can still use dimension. Now, keep in mind, Mary, that anything that's already germinated, whether it's chickweed, some henbit, whatever, anything that's already germinated, it won't control that at all. It only controls the seed. Uh, but no, ma'am, you can put that dimension down now um, and then Mark on your calendar in about 90 days, three months, come back and do it again. And then I say even three months after that, come back and do it again. Um, so, no, it's not too late to get that, that pre-emergent down at all. Well, y'all got to give us a call, 844-747-8868. 
You can, if you're having trouble hearing us, you can go to kwamradio.com. Stream us that way. You can also find our podcasts. Um, Facebook page, Jim. Facebook Live, the Mighty 990. There it is. You get to see Miss Veda right there. Mm -hmm. You can just see her perfectly clear. In fact, we're watching you right now. Don't let me see. You you think all these questions during the week, put them on the Facebook group page. Mm -hmm. Self Gardening, you know, that's a good place to, you'll get lots of of questions answered in just, you know, a couple of minutes. Somebody has chimed in. So we got 7,000 experts now that are just standing there waiting for you to put a question on. All right, y'all running to the break, y'all. Give us a call, 844-747-8868. Good morning. Welcome back to Mid-South Gardening. You can give us a call, 844-747-8868. Stream us online if we're not coming in well or anytime, radio, kwamradio.com. You can also get our free podcast there. And then, of course, you can go to Facebook Live, The Mighty 990, and the local number, 260-901-260-5926. And you said, Veda, we had a question. Somebody texted in and said, is there a... A safe spray on or brush on for woodpeckers damaging the holly tree. So I've been talking about trees or birds and bringing them into your yard. And woodpeckers are one of my favorite. They're so cool looking. I know, I love them. Now, is this a woodpecker or is this like a a yellow-bellied sapsucker that goes to the same holly tree? Don't talk to me like that. Well, well, those and flickers are really kind of grouped together with (laughs) as woodpeckers, you know. Uh, I mean, I have some downy woodpeckers, and a couple of years ago I had a redhead, but I haven't seen him in a while. Beautiful uh, bird. Yeah. yeah I have a thing about redhead. Yeah, I was going to say, I, no brunette Jim, we're talking birds. about birds here. <laughs> but I'm going to tell you, party. those, um, <laughs> man, those yellow-bellied sap suckers, and I'm, and I'm talking about Veda, um, or the woodpeckers, they, they'll go back to that same holly tree mm-hmm. year after really? year. And you'll see where they'll peck in these grids mm-hmm. uh, on the trunk it's of the tree. It's secret messages for aliens. Maybe, but they're tearing this tree up, I'm telling yeah. you. So, uh, you know, what do we do, guys, if you have uh, the woodpeckers just... Well, there it, there is a spray-on or paint-on product called Tanglefoot. Um, Bird Tanglefoot. Yeah, and, and it does a fair job. Now, the thing you have to remember is... Everything sticks to it. Okay. It's a sticky, <laughs> sticky product. You keep sticking to it. You have beneficials. Right. Uh, I think you'll have just about as good luck if you'll take something shiny like a pie pan and just tie it up onto a limb next to the trunk and let the wind blow it around some. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think you'll have as good a luck, you know, um, scaring them off with that. Yeah, they don't like anything shiny and moving. Anything yeah. moving. but And then, you know, try feeding the bird, you know. Yeah. Put a put a woodpecker suet <laughs> holder hold, hold, out hang there. Hang on a minute. So you're saying if you can't beat them, join them? That's yeah. right. Just go ahead and feed them. Now, don't hang it in that tree. <laughs> right, because they're uh, going to pick the tree. Right. Because they're going for insects, right? Um, or just they like to sap. do that. Or, or sap. sap. Yeah. So, um, mm. you, that's why they're called sap suckers. Um, you can just, you know, get there are suet cakes that are designed just for woodpeckers. That's amazing. Yeah, I, f- I, fe- I actually I feed some of those of that, too. Really. Uh, yeah. So, if you put them 
away from there, they're more likely to feed on that. It's a lot easier for them. Kind of like the Japanese beetle traps that we say put on the edge of the property. Get those yeah. beetles Not away the from rose. your rose. Yeah. That's right. Don't stick it in the rose bed. <laughs> yeah. But uh, yeah, bird tangle foot. But like you said, Jim, the only drawback with that product is it is everything in the world sticks to it, including yeah. Except birds. for squirrels. Yeah. yeah. We use, <laughs> use it for perching where pigeons, in fact, years ago, Graceland used to call me every time they would get pigeons up over their portico Roost, there. Roosting up there, yeah. Yeah, and I'd go down there and remove the birds and raise them and release them, but yeah. I would always spray some of that tanglefoot up there to help inhibit them from landing back. Mm-hmm. So it's, uh, yeah, it but, I'm, I, but I think work. you hit it's, it also, you know, putting something shiny out there, whether it's uh, like, a, you know, silver Christmas balls mm-hmm. that you can hang out there, a pie pan, like you yeah. said, Jim. There's even a some CD. Meta- metallic <laughs> yeah, ribbon. Yeah, CDs yeah. work. Yeah. A metallic um, ribbon that you can get that that will do that. Yeah, so. those typically will keep them off the trunk of yeah. that tree, too. Because I'm telling you, I've seen it before. And mm-hmm. I mean, Me and they'll come back every year. You're thinking, why are they picking on this holly tree? And you'll see these grids of these holes being punched into this thing. And from, I'm talking about from the top to the bottom. Yeah, and you'll see squirrels will go in there sometimes, and they'll cut out little squares, and they'll leave some tissue between them. Uh-huh. They're smart enough to realize that if they remove that all the way around, the tree dies. You know, so they leave just enough in there to carry sap uh-huh. and food down. So it's uh, rather unique. And they'll, is amazing. they'll just make a checkerboard out of it. Yeah, you know? it is amazing. And very intriguing. But woodpeckers are just, uh, the biggest one I've ever seen was in the uh, Wolf River Bottoms no in uh, Rossville. Impiliated, yeah. Is that what it was? Yeah. But it, it, I'm like, oh, there's really you one. You hear them for miles when they get on a good hollow yeah. tree. Yeah, you can. Yeah. Oh, my goodness. Yeah, so, but you but sure I, don't want them on your nice, healthy holly tree. So, yeah, but try those. But really kill the tree well it can definitely cause some problems and some stress yeah it's more likely yeah. to die from something else getting in mm-hmm. boars getting into it or yeah, diseases getting into it perfect because of open wounds yeah yeah, yeah it's, it's more of an issue with that than it is the birds usually so that could be you know i like to think what the purpose of everything is that uh does things and so i can see how they're really beneficial in the forest or in the woods because they need self-culling, you know, to keep a forest going. Things have to be But not in out. our beautiful landscape, right. you know. So, yeah, yeah, that's what I'm saying. So <clears throat> the benefit's definitely in the woods, but in our landscape, we have to go to these other measures. Yeah, because we're trying to preserve everything we I put know. in there, right? Because uh, who would want to get rid of a woodpecker? But I can see why, because you don't want to lose your holly that's been growing for and 20 if, years. And if they're pounding on the side of your aluminum uh, siding on your house, you'll want to you get rid of definitely. it. Definitely. You know? That sounds it's just, just like a drum. <laughs> yeah, it <laughs> and is. And then it makes you think of the old carpenter bees just drilling holes <laughs> in every piece of bare wood you have, mm-hmm. whether it's a swing set or whether it's a rustic barn that you have, drilling holes right through those things, right? It's amazing what animals can do to your home. And we'll be right back. Welcome back to Mid-South Gardening. 
A couple of things I wanted to mention, but one, you just made me think of it when you were talking about the, uh, were we talking about that on air or What's that? off air? The um, cactus flower that you have there. Oh, my stapelia carrion yeah. flower. Yeah. He and just showed me a picture of that thing. Big as his hand and amazing. beautiful. It's amazing. But think about this. We, we talk about pollinators and we know bees and, and wasps actually. And the little bitty uh, wasps that pollinate that are so, so tiny. But this plant that Jim has is pollinated by flies. Yeah, green, yeah. See, green flies. Don't which think we, of flies as yeah, they're excellent pollinators. Yeah. But think about this: this is a house plant that Jim has in the mm-hmm. cactus family, Jim. Oh uh, yes, it mm-hmm. has a huge hand-sized. Well, I, no, bloom. I take that back. It is not a true, true cactus. It's actually in the milkweed family. But it looks like a, it looks yeah. like a cactus, but it doesn't have thorns. But it mm-hmm. looks like a. But cactus. think about it through you know evolution or whatever. This thing has a scent that it gives off. And yeah. it attracts green flies. So you can and imagine the only the reason it does it is to help pollinate yeah. this thing. They That's say insane. it smells like rotted meat. Now, I'm apparently one of the lucky people that can't smell it. Mm. I well, can put well, my well, nose well. right down in the thing, and I don't smell anything Any at all. Meat. All right, well, this thing is in your garage, which you've turned into a greenhouse. Yes. Now, what if it does smell that way, and I come over there one afternoon to borrow your lawnmower? I'm going to think... What is this guy doing in here? Well, you know? might, you know, and I need to get somebody else in the house to go out there and see if they you smell do. it. You yeah. do. That's my point. Yeah. Right, right. You know, but nobody hardly ever goes in the garage but me. I go out, you know, that's where my, my I have my bird room where my, my parrot is. Okay, well, good. You know, I mean, is that the scenario where, where you smell something and go, ooh, that stinks. Here, you smell it, too. And yeah. then you uh-huh. do. Yeah, yeah, of course. Why do we do that? <laughs> I know. Bizarre. Uh, and then the other thing and was... Then, but uh, let me say this real quick. I was yeah. reading about bats last night. And I know I was, I was just going through reading about different stuff. Uh, and I'm talking about pollinators, Veda. Uh, mm-hmm. and, and bats are wonderful pollinators. I mean, it's, I don't know why. The, trop- the tropical bats, not here. Right. That's yeah. right. But when you mm-hmm. see, you know, typically when we see a bat, you know, all we think is vampires and Halloween and everything else. But uh, <laughs> there's nothing wrong with having bats around. But like Jim said, in the tropics, those tropical bats, I mean, they're, you know, their main function uh, as far as the ecological function mm-hmm. is pollination. Aren't those tropic bats like four feet tall? Yeah, or they're big. Well, some are. Yeah. yeah, the fox. What looks like foxes, um, but most of them are small, yeah. very small. Now I've caught a bat before fishing, because you know casting it. We were still fishing at you, dusk and casting. Yeah, you caught go, a bat. Yeah, because well, they, they were flying all around the pond. And you throw the, the lure lake. out there, and they think it's a big right. bug. You're so throwing I'm out really going to cast that well, far, and the the because uh, there's a lot of bats flying around there not like lots lots but when i casted it out the hook snagged a bat whoa i know but it was all a good ending yeah, all okay. a good ending yeah. it, it was fine but, but pollinators are big i mean we need all the pollinators we can get and jim you've said before you know as far as we're always talking about the bees mm-hmm. uh that Jim was saying it's the, it's the native bees yeah. that are most concerned about. They they do the heavy yeah. lifting around here. Mm-hmm. You yeah, know? and then unfortunately, one of the biggest problems with the native uh, is is honeybees because they are such competitors with them. Uh, I know you know you got this is one of those situations where you're danged if you do and danged if you don't. <laughs> right. You know because. And, you know, I love honey. Yeah, <laughs> you know? me too. And me too. They are an important crop for farmers. You sure. Know? But they are a crop. Farmers don't leave this to chance. If they yeah. need mm-hmm. pollinators, they either have their own hives or they bring hives in to do the pollination for them. You know, uh, that's like say they something like 
20 million hives are moved to Southern California every spring to pollinate the almond And then crop. I've read before where they, they use these hives, these bees, for pollination, and they move these hives around. They, mm-hmm. they don't truck them up and move them. But, but they're wearing the bees out, and mm-hmm. with the bees being in a weak state because yes. they've been worked to death, and all of a sudden you're getting bee colony uh-huh. decline. You know, right. and you they're get distressed. and we've yeah. spread the varroa mite all across uh-huh. the country mm-hmm. by moving them back and forth, and that's what's put an end to most of our nat- to the wild um, hives that we've had in nature. You know, I thought it was um, cell phones that did it. Well, <laughs> could yeah. be. Isn't that but, what it is? Yeah, you know, the, they're very susceptible to varroa mites. And, and, you know, after they brought the bees here back in the 1600s, right. they had some escape and get into the wild. Right. And so they, you know, and they have, the, they set up house, you know, and which was fine. Mm-hmm. But now we've got the mite, which is killing them off because nobody can treat those like you can when you're growing your own. Uh, so you don't see a whole lot of the bees around your yard. A couple of reasons. One, there's not much food for them, and the fact that the mites killing off so many of them. Wow. But they are, uh, I, re- I was reading a book not too long ago uh, about bees, and they estimate that in the last 50 years or so, we've lost about 50% of our native pollinators. That's a lot. Yeah, and uh, the biggest single cause was the honeybee because they're such heavy feeders and they fly such long distances from their hive. Um, so in our case, bumblebees have really become the main pollinator, you know, mm. and, and they're good pollinators. They vibrate, which, mm. you know, they'll pollinate a tomato plant where a honeybee won't. Uh, so they're they're good pollinators, and they tend to live in small hives uh, with fifty to a couple of hundred bees. So you know it's you're less likely to have them wiped out as like we've had with honeybees that have you know fifty thousand bees in them or something. Well, and then and let me say this real quick also. You know when the metachloripid came out, uh, you know that was a big deal. They were blaming a lot of the bee decline. Or, uh, on that one chemical product. Mm-hmm. And Jim's done a ton of reading, you know, mm-hmm. about that and said, you know, hold your horses, not so fast. Was that good housekeeping? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know, um, no. you know no. even, even the Xerces Society, which is the primary uh, invertebrate um, organization in the world for protecting bees, you know, so there's no evidence that it that it relates that imidacloprid does anything as far as colony collapse disorder. Right. Uh, but, I mean, if used improperly or if used on the wrong crops, it can, in fact, yeah. get into the pollen and can kill bees. Yeah. But again, we're talking about in the United States, they're a crop. Now, in, you know, not so much so, well, there are some, but not, not as much in, in Europe. Uh, where yeah. they're they have so many just natural ones because that's where they come from. Yeah. Uh, so you know it's. But I mean, do you think it's ever going to come to a point where, you know, we need things pollinated, okay, yeah. and we don't have the pollinators to do it. Well, we do so, still have have pollinators. I mean, yeah. they're they're not gone yet. Uh, but they <laughs> said yet. Yeah. Okay. But they are significantly reduced. And in mm-hmm. the wild is where we'd want to be concerned about. Yeah. You know, in your yard, you're planting stuff, you'll see pollinators come in. But, you know, if you talk about all the yards around wherever you live, there's not a significant food source to mm-hmm. support multiple hives. Right. So then we have less. Right. Which, yeah. and, then and then you get caught in the vicious circle. Yeah. They, they yeah. did a check in one area in New York where. They found that the average number of hives that um, 
this given area would support was about seven and a half. Okay, they found their number. Yeah. Uh, but in that particular area, there were over 50 high They had highs. much more than seven and a half. Right. So they're really yeah. under stress. Yeah. Well, uh, then, you know, just the domino yeah, effect, so if you will. It's just like anything. People are under stress. Animals are under stress. Plants are under stress. Then, then things can can cause illnesses can or injuries whack. or right and well we're at least least we have availability to start studying and learning because you know if you really don't know the cause how can you fix it and of course the first thing was it's all the chemicals all the chemicals were and then, and then i swear then i read where it was it, right. cell phones it was cell phone towers you know it was 3g 5g whatever was affecting the bees maybe it does i don't know but a lot of those things there again have been just completely debunked, yeah, if you will. Right. That's a garden myth, right? Yeah. The important <laughs> thing is that we don't jump to conclusions yeah, and do it. things without a good scientific reason yeah. to do it. Mm-hmm. You know, everybody said, Oh, well, imidacloprid's been banned in Europe. But you didn't see the headlines <laughs> was that they retracted part of that. Because Canada and uh, much of Europe grows rapeseed for canola oil yeah. and for honey yeah okay it doesn't get into the pollen so it's mm-hmm. not hurting rape so it doesn't kill the honeybees yeah all right they're using it for honey so but imidacloprid is just about only thing that they found that will protect those plants everything else is so much more toxic yeah. than yeah. imidacloprid yeah so they have removed the ban on crops where it's absolutely necessary for them to use this if they're going to yeah. grow like in canada 19 million acres of rapes yeah yeah and they might um, use that for making honey. Yeah, yeah. Mm. You get two crops out of it. So, man, I'm hungry now for a hot buttered biscuit with honey on well, it. Well, <laughs> and, and also, you know, we as homeowners, as individuals, I mean, regardless of what we're spraying with, whether you know we're spraying insecticides in our own property, our own home, fungicides, mm-hmm. herbicides, whatever. You know, we say this all the time. Take a minute to look at the label, read the label, understand the label. And, you know, make sure that you make your solutions according to the label. They've done tests on these things. They know how much it needs to a gallon of water Mm -hmm. because it says one tablespoon, five tablespoons doesn't make it any better. And then, you know, be aware when you are spraying, especially in the spring and summer when the insects are active, uh, to spray early, early morning or late, late in the afternoon, just not when these things are or active and, during the day. And don't spray open flowers, period. Yeah, yeah. You yeah. can spray the foliage below it, yeah. okay, if you yeah. absolutely need to. Uh, but don't spray open flowers. So some of the responsibility anything. falls I, back on us when we're spraying our own individual oh, landscapes, no doubt. I never wanted to spray the flowers with anything because sometimes they you get um, phototoxicity. Or, you know, it yeah, burns. The, bloom yeah, yeah, and then there's that. So we're going to run to a break, and then we'll get back. Um, have you ever wondered how they actually count the birds on the bird feeders to know what the count of certain birds are in certain towns. Or counting the flock of blackbirds out there driving down Walnut Grove in the bamboo stands. How Mm -hmm. do you do it? We'll be right back. Good morning and welcome to Mid-South Gardening. So we were talking about the and Barbara, bird hang on count. just a second. Yeah. yeah, the bird count. So like for the backyard birds and all, you're supposed to count 
how many are the largest amount that come to your bird feeding area at one time? Mm. You don't sit there and count like, okay, there's three, and then the three leave, and oh, here's four more. And mm. then all of a sudden you're like at 10 birds, but how do you know it wasn't the bird coming back? So at one time, bird. if you got 10 birds on the feeder, you yeah. count those 10. Right, and then... You can't add them all together. Like if you're going to look at them on, um, in the morning, at lunch, and at night. And if you saw three in the morning and then you saw five, you don't add them all together is the thing. So basically it's just you're counting the most birds in one location at one time. And then you report that bird count. Yeah, and Barbara, hang on two seconds. But also driving down Warnock Grove, like I was telling you all in the afternoon, you see mm-hmm. these huge flocks of those blackbirds. And I was thinking, why would anybody even want to know the count? Yeah. I mean, who cares, right? Right. Well, I went to a birding seminar because I had a right. good friend of oh, mine that was uh, the spokesperson, the and he was showing these beautiful pictures of birds he'd been taking uh, pictures of. And there, sure enough, there are people out there taking pictures of these bird flocks, and they'll count like a grid and come up with a number. And I guess they're just wanting to know the overall health of the bird population. That's why they're doing it. They don't really care how many, you know, you, you know, blackbirds are flying around the bamboos stands on Walnut Grove. Or I guess it would help you know if you're fixing to be overrun. Maybe. You know? What, Jim? Oh, no. Are you thinking? No, I just remember as a kid, the only only count I did was how many I could get with one shot. You were thinking that. I could tell, and you were there in your mind. Back (laughs) when I was in Texas years ago, you could actually... Uh, the state would give you shells. They had a, a particular type bird, I'm not going to get into it, that was a, a, a real nuisance. And so you could lay down on the ground and shoot across and, and get a whole bunch of them. And so they would actually uh, supply you with the shells to do that. Yeah, personal geese, yeah. snow geese. All right, let's go to Barbara. Good morning, Barbara. Thanks for the call. You're welcome. I had called y'all back in the early spring about uh, crepe myrtle bark scale. Yes, ma'am. And I got the fall drench, and I did that, Mm -hmm. and it all went away. Mm -hmm. And they looked good this summer. Now they're kind of turning grayish, the limbs. And I've seen, which I don't know the difference between a scale and a mealybug, Mm -hmm. but they're getting those little white things on the limbs. Yeah, that definitely sounds like scale. Um, Is it moving? Can you see it move? No, sir. Yeah. Okay. Because if it was moving, that's the uh, mealybug destroyer, mm-hmm. which is a fuzzy little thing that cl- climbs up and down the trunk. That's actually a good bug. But if mm-hmm. you're seeing the little bumps again, Barbara, which I'm surprised mm-hmm. you're seeing them in the same year. Usually this imidacloropid that you pour as a drench around the crate myrtles lasts for at least a year, a lot of times up to two years. Mm-hmm. Especially if you're using the right solution around that crate myrtle. And, and that's kind of key, too. You know, you don't have to misfigure much to have an incorrect amount. Exactly. Yeah. Um, so mm-hmm. all you got to do, Barbara, is just go out there and drench them again. Um, okay. And just like I said, make sure that you're getting the accurate amount in a gallon of water that you're pouring around the trunk of that uh, crate myrtle. Uh, if you do it now, the roots will still absorb it, uh, but it's not going to really move really through that crate myrtle until next spring, okay? But that's fine. You still got to do it. But uh, I think if you use the, make sure you use the, the proper amount, you can mm-hmm. go ahead and pour it now or in the spring, and that's still going to be absolutely the best way to get rid of that crate myrtle bark scale. Okay, and if I do it and pour it now, then it will still be working come spring. Yes, ma'am. Yes, ma'am. Okay. Yeah. The only stipulation, Barbara, 
is you don't want to use it if the ground is sloppy wet or if the ground is frozen. Other than that, you're in good shape. Okay, well, I'll go out and get another bottle of it today. All righty, dear. Thanks for the call, Barbara. And and Uh that that is critical that you get get the amount. You need to, you always measure the the diameter or the circumference circumference of the trunk. I mean, at about chest high, about four feet or so. Yeah. Uh, And then you want to total all of those together. So if you've got six trunks and it totals out to 47 inches, then you got to have 47 ounces. Right. Doesn't matter really how much water you put it in, two, five gallons. Right. And then just pour it. You know, it's just three or four inches away, just basically at the edge of the root flare. And just pour right around it. the trunk, yeah. yeah. Pour it all around there, not out in the root system, because you're going to pour waste it out there. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it and it does an excellent job at controlling things, and it's as low a danger to animals as you can get. Yeah, and uh, and it's not likely to do any damage to pollinators. Well, and like I said, you know, it, it, one application will last at least a growing season, which is typically a year. But we've seen where most of these applications last up to two years. Mm-hmm. So that's why I'm saying I was a little surprised that Barbara's already seeing crate murder bark scale. I've heard somebody else say that, that they treated last year, but it wasn't working this year. But then I was wondering in their case if it was just residue left over. And they were thinking yeah. that it wasn't working because it's still just doesn't still fall there. off. Yeah. You know? The scale, I mean, it takes a minute. Takes right. dry, has to dry up and then just kind of flake off yeah. eventually. And then when you see the black sooty mold, this uh, company with the scale, if you mm-hmm. if it gets to that point, that sooty mold doesn't dissipate overnight either. That's true. Mm-hmm. Well, you know that ninety seven percent of insects are um, that you mostly see in homes, in the yard, and all are considered beneficial. Ninety seven. Yeah, ninety seven percent beneficial, and oh, the other word that I learned, innocuous. Yeah, Inoculus, except for the old mosquito. Which means it doesn't do anything. Yeah, the mosquito, yeah. he's not a pollinator, right? Or yeah, she. but 97%. So a lot of times we're just spraying, spraying, spraying to kill that one aphid, those 10, okay, 20 aphids on a flower bud. And we used to spray the entire yard for that. Exactly. Yeah. Target spraying, yeah, that's the now key, Yeah, now target spraying, yes. Well, y'all, it was so great to hang out with y'all this morning and every Saturday. And all of our wonderful listeners check us out on uh, the facebook page and remember you can download our podcast listen to them anytime at kwamradio.com hey moms and dads have you been as frustrated as i have with the messages our kids are being taught today Cancel culture, wokeism, victimhood, socialism, lots of bad ideas are bombarding our kids. And if you're like me, you've struggled to figure out how to teach your kids about good ideas like free markets, personal freedom, entrepreneurship. That's why I'm so glad to have come across the Tuttle Twins books. These children's books help parents teach their kids conservative ideas. What's amazing is they've sold over two and a half million books, so clearly they work. Kids love them. Parents love that their kids are learning the ideas of freedom. And I talked the Tuttle Twins team into doing a special offer for KWAM listeners. All you need to do is go to TuttleTwins.com and use the coupon code STARNS. They're going to give you 40% off the kids' books and include all their activity workbooks for free. That is a huge deal for KWAM listeners. Again, TuttleTwins.com and use the coupon code STARNS.